0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Alarm Succession. I'm your host, Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer Spencer. How are you?
1: Doing well, man. Eager to talk about what was a decidedly interesting episode of Succession.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty hyped to talk Succession, too. Uh, It seems like we've kind of had a character change. It feels like the big bad of the series, the... The big villain has been switched out. It seems like we might have a new one, this Madsen character. Uh, between
1: that and just general self-inflicted injuries, we've got options. But he seems like is the one that's most consciously stepping into the role of Logan's shoes. And as we've seen before, but is now readily apparent, has a lot of like personality similarities with him. In terms of his just winning is everything. Screwing the other person. The big dick measuring contest. That's the only reason he's in this game.
0: I feel like this is the first real episode we got without Logan, because the last episode, so much of it was about Logan, you know. The aftermath. It, yeah. How did you feel without Brian Cox in the cast this, this episode? I, I, we're getting increasingly
1: removed from him. It still feels like he's playing a role just because he's so intricately important to the main characters. Like, he's going to be a specter haunting them for the rest of their lives, and that's imminently apparent. But in terms of not hearing him just yell "fuck off" at random moments, I'm missing it. I'm missing it. He he was so much of what I associated with the show. He's so much of what I was looking forward to each week. He was the central in my mind icon of the show. The, the Ned Stark, if you were of season one or whatever else. It is. I appreciate that we that we they didn't go forward with the decision of having him die in season one. They're now dying. Yeah, in terms of that was the exit plan. Mm-mm. It wouldn't have been all the same show. I'm so. As much as I will miss his role, the fact that he had such a contribution to leaving this point means the show is still perfectly functional in my mind without his presence.
0: I think so too, but I think it's limited, right? Like I think we can do half a season, maybe one season without Logan, but sure. I don't I don't think that the show with Kendall and Roman running the company is particularly compelling unless they introduce something else that I'm not aware of, something that's not on the table right now. I think what we this current version of the show works to finish out this season, mm-hmm. finish out the rest of the show, but I think they were smart to keep Brian Cox as long as they did.
1: In, in terms of just opinions on this episode, this episode just really just screams, I've gotten invested to the point, it doesn't necessarily matter what the subject matter of the episode is, I just want more because I want to see where this damn story ends, I'm... I'm I am invested in each of the characters' arcs. I'm invested in their flaws as much as their successes. And I'm compelled to keep watching to find out how these expert writers are going to wrap this up. I will say, and we'll get to it, this episode did have my single biggest laugh of any moment previously in succession. So oh, wow. Quality writing, but also i we had to pause for a solid like three minutes as we were just uproariously laughing at one moment in this episode.
0: I'm interested to know what that moment is. There was some, a couple laugh-out-loud funny moments to me in the episode. Okay, so... Here's Solana Succession this podcast. We will go through our normal segments where I will do the recap. I'll lead the recap every week. Spencer will chime in. Winning anecdotes, witticisms, probably some funny stories about his personal life. He'll probably want to dive into his personal life course, a lot. Always. All can, the time. We'll award best line of the episode, the best line of dialogue. We thought that week on the episode we'll aroyd, uh, a, aroyd, <laughs> award <laughs> yeah. Roy uh, of the episode. And typically when we do that, we have, we say what Roy performed the best. And what Roy performed the worst that week. And then we will jump to Spencer's relationship advice of the episode where he looks at all of these many healthy relationships throughout Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. cast, throughout the multiple seasons now of Succession. And will give us some life advice, relationship advice based on what really is just a bunch of characters that we should be basing our life on. Right, Spencer? No. oh, Not even going to joke about that. Just don't oh. oh okay all right Sp- well maybe you'll maybe you'll cover that in your second
1: spencer relationship advice the episode just
0: don't watch the show and then don't do those things good call all right anything you want to cover before we jump into recap no nah, excited to get started okay season four episode five kill list we get some logan stuff in the recap specifically this quote and because they put this quote in i feel like this will come up again Tom saying died fishing his iPhone from a clogged toilet. I think this, mm-hmm. this little tidbit will come up again. Kendall being in charge with Roman, not Shiv. Shiv saying she needs to be across everything, across everything. This is when she was agreeing <laughs> last episode to the, uh, dual ruler model of Kendall and Roman. Roman mm-hmm. saying, we're not going to fuck you too, Shiv. The thing about shitting on Logan, how Kendall said to action it and then Shiv being pregnant, which rounded out the recap. Five points. So we start with Jay-Z's The Takeover. Playing R-O-C, we running this rap shit. Myth bleak, we running this rap shit. Take over, the break's over, got MC Me, Jehovah. Very interesting song to, to play here. I, obviously, the scene is in direct parallel to the opening sequence of uh, the show. Season one, episode when one. Kendall thought he was coming in post-Volter deal to take apparent. over the company. That did not happen. This was a toned-down version of Kendall. He was still in the limousine, still with the same driver, still listening to rap music. He wasn't doing all the air-punching and all the sort of theatrics this time around, though. And he has actually done it. He has taken over.
1: He is. And he, we're seeing him fall back into the kind of the mindset or even at least like the vocabulary of a bit of the business, bro. But you're right. It's a bit muted from where he was in, like, season one. They're pl- they plainly want us to draw parallels from that point, but this is... Though he's in many ways trying to adopt the
0: same mindset again, this is a changed Kindle from that point in time. Yeah, he's, he's muted is a good way to put it. He's much more, much calmer than he was before. So flashback to um, the very first episode when Kindle did this. And then now we see um, he has actually taken over. He's in the He's in the limo. He gets out, got the sunglasses on. This is business, Kendall. He's going in. Hugo meets him at the door, tells him, welcome home. Kind of a hokey <laughs> quote from Hugo. I got to say, Hugo Hugo did not have a strong episode. I did not feel Hugo like Hugo had doing a very
1: well. weak episode. I mean, it was hilarious. The actor is doing great with respect to the role, and I like seeing more time with him. But Hugo is catching L's at every opportunity this
0: episode. Just fumbling. Just fumbling. And you got to think that the insider trading that his, his daughter perpetrated his uh, with his assistants. Game. Yeah, is, is kind of staying in his, his wheelhouse here. He introduces additional manpower. Kendall tells them promptly to walk off. So there we go. We have the Roy family words within the first what? about two minutes of the show.
1: What are you talking about, sir? Logan is still here. He's embodied in Kendall. At least Kendall is really thinking that he's being Logan throughout the episode.
0: Speaking of which, kind of haunting Kendall in his walk through the lobby is a big, I mean, looming over 20, 30 feet Wide uh LED flat screen that shows uh in memoriam of Logan Royce. So Logan's picture Logan's like actual like profile, his face is haunting Kendall as Kendall walks into the right. to he, the he, he, the job for the first day. The
1: symbolism is clear and well done in terms of his lasting effect on his children.
0: Kendall then says he just wants to check in with the Grays. I gotta say, this I like the idea of the Greys, this is kinda like the blacks and the uh the greens from House of the Dragon. <laughs> Um, it, the Grays the, are the, you know, Carl Frank and The Jared. old guard.
1: Yeah. It, so is it the Roys versus the Grays? Is that how they're calling their teams? Uh, I think so.
0: <laughs> so The Roys versus okay. the Grays.
1: They, they would not pick a color. That They would do that. They'd completely, you know, break that trend.
0: Do you think the uh, the Roys could get a color? What, what color do you think the Roys could get it's just to make this kind of equal?
1: Well, after certain other themes in this episode, Red is still available. They can go Red. That's fine.
0: Okay. I think I can give them Red. All right. Reds versus the Grays. So anyway, we have the Grays. That's who he wants to talk to. He makes a joke about slipping a Mickey into Matson's meatballs. I I don't know. Kendall's trying to to spar verbally. Sometimes his jokes aren't great. I know I'm breaking the ground there.
1: And again, this really just, scream like, there's this a bit of try-hard Kendall going on here, of where he's trying to be just, like, the same guy that he was back in season one. Just the utter business bro, confident, cocky, thrown out jargon right and left. It,
0: even from him, feels fake. Yeah, it does. I mean, I do think that Kendall has his flaws. He's, I mean, like, nobody. <laughs> yeah, sure. There's a lot of flaws, right? But it is a better version of Kendall than we've gotten in previous seasons. He's going to screw this up. He was always going to screw this up if he ever took over. But I think it's maybe going to be longer runway to the screw up than it would have been if he would had taken over three seasons ago. That's my prediction on this.
1: You'll at least have plans and see it coming in a way that I don't feel like he would have been able to do back then.
0: Hugo, full suck up mode to Kendall, says they'll get the plane ready early. Hugo mentions it might be nice to get a picture of Kendall and Roman before they leave. Stepping up, CE Bros is kind of the bad version. Kendall, with a really good line here, says, shall we maybe... Not do the bad version? Good. Look look at this man making business decisions. Yes, don't go with the bad version. Look at that. It's it's interesting that he had to spell that out to Hugo. As Kendall walks in first. First minute cheer. on the year, and so does Spencer. Spencer's cheering for Kendall oh, yes. and his first yes. Day. Yes. Happy, yes. Happy. He's very happy. I I'm i I'm a very loyal sycophant. What a difference a death makes, right? Because just last season <laughs> Kendall was being asked to leave the premises, um mm-hmm. and now he's being cheered upon entering as the as the conquering hero, the returner. As, uh, as Caesar coming back to Rome. That's what Indeed, it is.
1: In triumph. I, I do find it really interesting though that everyone is cheering him while Roman's already here and been here a while. Yeah.
0: Roman tells him he has a knack for theatrics. Shakes shakes Kendall's hand. They hug. Kendall asks him if he got any sleep. Roman references the condolence assistance. Uh, mm-hmm. did, you, did you get your condolence assistance? Kendall asks if the old guard was loading them up with listening devices. He says this with Roman's folks in the room to hear that.
1: This, this, this is interesting. I'm presuming they're being accurate that the, all of the extra, you know, staff that they've been provided are by direct direction of the old guard. This isn't something that they elected to or it's just ne- necessarily natural. The old guard is trying to load them up with
0: people. And that could be these are moles, you know, these fox in the hen house type of thing. Or it could be that, you know, Jerry, Frank, and Carl have very little faith in either one of them and think, oh man, we need to give them as many resources as possible. That also could be very true.
1: I'm very heavily leaning towards that one based on what else we have seen in the episode. The old guard do not trust these two. At all. Whatsoever. Particularly unsupervised. And they are trying to add in as many fail-safes as possible.
0: Roman got there early. Shout out, Roman. He says he's Uh, getting briefed.
1: Hey, it, it shows. Roman's always been the hard worker. Whatever else you want to say about the guy, he is the one that's one to put in the legwork.
0: Well, it kind of goes back and forth, right? Because we did have that moment. Him and Kendall, yeah. We did have that moment with the Vulture deal where Kendall really did actually dig into financials and do technical work, which we've never seen any of the three kids actually do any sort of technical work. Um So I don't know. It kind of goes back and forth. Um Kendall doesn't seem to think they need Shiv in this conversation. That's a big shocker, right? I'm sure you were shocked to, to know yeah. that Kendall Kendall wasn't super excited about asking Shiv to join.
1: We've lasted one day. One day promise on their dad's corpse. Their deal has lasted one day.
0: Well, Roman's trying to keep up his part of it. Cause he has Bastion. Roman's always trying <laughs> Let's go get Shiv. Kendall asked for the short range top lines. There's a boy. There's a lot of cringy fucking
1: bro. speak Again, from
0: Kendall, bi- this whole episode
1: business, bro. Kendall has returned to at least some degree.
0: Apparently they are doing a movie called Calypsotron. Now I'd like to share something with our audience. Please. Um, Spencer and I are friends from college. We have a group of, of friends from college that we all get together. We call we call each other the, the, the Mangum group. That's why this is called Mangum Talks Podcast mm-hmm. Network. Every New Year's we get together. This is our big thing. I have taken to bringing the worst fucking movie I can find <laughs> to New Year's every year. This last year I brought an especially terrible movie. Um that, Ter- that that spencer watched all the way through uh jesus i, I was the, me the only one <laughs> <the> highway <laughs>
1: Every, it, it was it, it i assumed when you put it on it would be like some actual 1970s like dot you know no. b film whatever else c film no it's an homage to that category of film done recently and i was the only one of our entire group that on principle made it through it
0: including me uh it was called jesus take me the way to the highway bad mm-hmm. worst movie i could find um, it's called Absurdist, which is apparently a type of movie now where you just make the Intensibly worst possible bad. movie you can make and call it and, Absurdist. And everybody and goes, oh, call it art!" That's brilliant. I think I'm bringing Calypsotron next next New Year's. This movie uh, sounds dreadful.
1: <laughs> I, if HBO doesn't make this for that exact purpose to just have Absurdist, you know, media out there somewhere, they are leaving money on the table. I need to see this
0: film. I need to see Calypsotron. The first two I mean, hours, robot sleeping in a cave. Ooh, that's tough. Uh, I'm in. I'm in. I can make this work. Well, apparently, before we're going to get Calypsatron, the final cut, it's sort of blowing up. Reshoot, panicky vibe. Second producer signed off on leaving, citing mental collapse slash overload. Not good. Kendall says, they're okay. They're okay. They're okay. Uh, yeah, we'll pay for it. We're balls deep already. Roman agrees. And in in the way that I like to negotiate contracts, vows to say no a lot and shout before he eventually says yes.
1: I, that is a business negotiating philosophy right there,
0: Kendall. Then asked Groban leadership. Got, if he got his email on Matson, angles deal thoughts. This is me like this. By the way, same conversation has played out with me and Spencer over the years. Hey Spencer, did you get my text? Spencer says which one? You sent several. It's absolutely <laughs> spot on. I think you've literally said at one point
1: ignore prior emails. <laughs> that's, that's like, like the last prior one you Yeah, said.
0: that's it. and Kendall explains the last one said ignore previous emails. So Kendall. While Kendall may not have been in the office, he certainly was up, banging away on the keyboard all night, sending Roman every damn thought in his head. Roman says, yeah, thanks for putting me through all that, which is pretty funny. (laughs) I
1: I enjoyed your journey.
0: He then dismisses the team. You can all fuck off! Roy House words. Roman tells Hugo not to talk to his team. Kendall asks Roman if they can talk on the plane, and some of the Elder Guard comes in. Roman calls it the March of the Emperor Penguins. (laughs) It works. I'm with you. Carl tells Kendall, congrats. Nothing to elaborate, but Roman asks them if they are reinterviewing for their jobs, which is pretty <laughs> funny.
1: Kind of they all are throughout the episode. Anyone that doesn't have a Roy on their name is trying to justify their existence to some degree or category over the course of this episode.
0: Right. But the only one really reinterviewing to them is Tom. Everyone else thinks thinks they're reinterviewing to the Mattson crew.
1: Or like Carl and Frank and just assume they're gone and are just looking forward to retirement.
0: Jerry says no, but that they're there to check in. Pre Norway Roman says they did the check in on the board call and the follow up call and with your thirty three thousand emails. Hey, I got something to say to the whole whole everybody in succession. Can I can Tell I just say something? Please. Roman doesn't like emails, okay?
1: He's Never complained
0: has. twice about emails in this conversation. And do you remember that scene from season two where he became COO and checked his email and it was just spinning and spinning and he was completely overwhelmed, so he decided to jerk off in the office? The scene is now coming back to me, yes. Roman doesn't like emails. It, it overwhelms him. Not a big fan of the emails.
1: I, you think Jerry would know this at this point?
0: You would think. Yeah, they, they – they uh they should know each other well. Carl says he's happy to do anything they can do to help in terms of, like, I don't know, dry running the negotiation. Or, like, Kendall says, uh, 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 we, we trust you absolutely. Now tell us every single word you plan on saying to him.
1: Yes, that is the conversation they are having with you right now, Kendall. Excellent excellent summary
0: of what they're trying to do. Seems like they don't laugh. trust you. Seemed like a genuine laugh from Roman. Yeah, I yeah. like it when – because Kendall is not as funny as Roman, but he no. is funny. And he will he will say He's things that, that get Roman every once in a while. He can tell you yeah. he makes Roman laugh every once in a while. Uh Kendall says they want to knock it out of the park, squeeze an extra three, just three four dollars a share would be a win, Spencer. That's it. Absolutely. If they could just yeah. get three or four dollars extra a share, massive win, totally worth the trip to Norway.
1: Clearly, I think that's about the best they could hope for this episode. But I, you know, I've
0: got some I've got some trust in them. I think they can pull this off. Shiv walks in. Kendall says, "Me, Rome." Shiv saying. Shiv only because she showed up to advise and liaise Shiv ask if she missed the invite. What's the conf lab? boomers versus zoomers. Can I say this podcast that has received a lot of heat in the past for not liking Shiv? Mm-hmm. She's funny. She's compelling and she's quicker witted than anybody else. It's, she is. She, it's like she's the only one that got a nap on the plane. Everybody else shows up to Norway on their back foot and Fucking Shiv is 2 feet in the pool ready to go. Like she's way she does a way better job at this thing than anybody else does on the on the she, Waystar Royco side. Shiv's
1: problem has never been that she was smart. She's always been the smartest of the main of the, not not even the main. All of the Roy all of the immediate, you know, her peer level of Roy's. The issue is that she knowing that gets in her own way in the future and thinks and you know Assumes that she's always in control of the situation. She unquestionably wins this episode. Stands to see whether she's going to screw herself later with respect to just gloating on that fact.
0: Well, she's playing all sides, which can be a very dangerous move. But sure. she she's the only one that doesn't seem backfooted this whole time like and i'm not even just talking about Kendall and roman like the you know the the comms team that was down you know at the brunch the old grays i mean everybody in this episode seems like they're struggling to keep up with the mattson crew except for her
1: she everybody else is worried about what they can lose she's the only one that's looking into this what can i gain and so she actually gains somebody while everybody else just barely even holds on
0: it's a great way of putting it. I agree with that. She's not she's not scared to she's not worn into it, scared to lose something. So therefore, she's a little bit more freed up. Uh But I also just think her her like her strengths were on display. Like if I say like if Shiv has one if one strength that is just unassailable, it's that she's quick witted. Like and that and she put she allowed that to work for her to ingratiate herself to Matz. I think also she was just, pr- we'll see in the
1: scenes, she was prime equipped to deal with Matson on the basis that he didn't view her as a threat and she's very used to manipulating men like him or at least dealing with men like him. And it put her in a prime position to deal with him in a way that Matson's guard was up with Roman and Kendall and it didn't seem, to the degree he's not manipulating her, which we'll ponder, didn't seem like he was confronting her at the same level as he was then.
0: Roman says, "Look, this little meeting here not on the schedule. Mom and Dad just stopped by to make sure we have food in the fridge. God, the old.
1: Man.
0: I mean, you know, the lawsuits for ageism like <laughs> it's Do, like does
1: it, not exist. Does not exist at this
0: company. Up. It's unbelievable. You really can't be ageist to people. They can sue you. Like it's unbelievable how quickly they are willing to be ageist to them. Like they, the jokes are just flowing. Roman says that Madsen is saying not to freak out, not freak out." Frank comes in and says, they've all been requested in doorway, Bunch of EVPs, division heads, etc. I want to make this point. They have been requested to send all these people. Madsen yes. asked them, send your division heads, send the department heads. The whole kit and caboodle. He actually sent a list of names. He's please send all of, the please send all of these people important later when he starts going, why the fuck did you send all these people? Uh, yes. Jerry says they actually... Sent a, Actually, sent a list of names. Cultural compatibility mm. check. Roman asked, why do that if they hadn't done the deal? Jerry, with maybe the most common sense answer ever in all of succession, I guess because maybe we're doing They're the deal?
1: Probably doing it. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, for, from their perspective, they want the deal to happen.
0: Let's see if we can make that work. Why do this if we haven't done the deal yet? Maybe because we're doing the deal? Thank you. Huh. It, it, Jerry gets paid big bucks for that kind of wisdom. Frank says it's positive. Shiv, yeah, or invite everyone so he doesn't have to deal with the B-roll brothers. Did you catch the looks that Roman yeah. and Kendall gave specifically? So Roman gave a, uh, I kind of wish you wouldn't say stuff like that, a all shucks sort to of look. To
1: undermine us in front of the, the greys.
0: Kendall took off the Cyclops glasses and just bore daggers right into her when she said that
1: again kendall is viewing himself as his father's successor and that kind of mocking is something he does not think that logan would have tolerated and so he ain't gonna either
0: so that's probably an element of it right he's trying to play the he's playing trying to play the He's scooby doing, right he's putting the logan mask on yeah but i also like just think um Kindle himself just doesn't like this from from shiv. He never has. He never what? is like the, the when she marginalizes him and, and talks down to him, calls him the bro, the this, that bro or whatever. He's always punched back with her.
1: Do you think he's also begrudging her a bit for the whole underlined versus crossed out thing from last episode? Is maybe that may be driving a little bit of what he's
0: doing. Is he still breathing? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think he's still alive. Then for the rest of his fucking life, he's going to begrudge her that I think. I think you were right he on that will, when you said he will uh-huh. always be angry about that.
1: He will haunt her after death. If he can find a means of maintaining connection to this mortal coil, he will haunt her.
0: Yeah. So Shiv asks if she can see the note that had come from and Shiv sees that Frank didn't send it to her. Frank had sent it out, but he didn't send it to Shiv. It- Shiv is noticing these little slights and she's absolutely right to notice them
1: and right and right to start calling them out now these yes. are in the category of these will bu- these will build unless you get you know fix these early
0: the deal was I'm across everything that doesn't mean leave me out of fucking group emails Frank I mean come on it, uh it, Kendall it, kicks around the idea of saying no to having all these fucking people come Jerry says in the interest of doing the deal, We all want, I love how, I love how she speaks. In interest of doing the deal that we all want, maybe we should play ball. Kendall says yes. And that seems to be a final yes. Did you notice that? That it was Kendall who gave the final yes on who should go.
1: With with no other discussion from anybody else. It's not like he's, you know, nodding to his siblings from all degree. Everyone looks at Kendall. Kendall says yes. Discussion done.
0: Yeah. He is sort of Alfie in here. And then opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Did you notice uh, the Chiron has changed. there is what is it of, to now? there's a, all it all it is. The only thing we got on any Chiron this whole opening sequence was America decides. So we're right up next to the election it, interesting. so th- th- th-
1: that is fun of where it's actually you know in, in some ways in the moment where, where the Chiron would be because we're only like days before the election in, in the show, right? right? Yeah.
0: And you know how this country gets days before a presidential election. It's like, I don't think anybody uh, sleeps. We're all tense. jacked up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: getting i no, I'm getting nine, nine hundred and twelve texts a day from Lee on the discussion of election theories and monitoring every, t- every election up and down the ballot.
0: Three hundred and eighty how- million people on cocaine for four days is what it, basically what it is. <laughs> Feels like. Then we see Greg running over to Tom. Sir, sir, wow, whirlwind, huh? He asked, why Norway, not Sweden? Tom, Norway, Sweden, what's the difference? They're all descendants of the same rapist. <laughs> does <laughs> tom have a thing against
1: vikings because he was also mocking vikings with logan too
0: now see spencer the the vikings were actually danes and they came over to england and they 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 fought the the people of wessex and northumbria and mercia
1: i am so glad you watched the last kingdom it has been so entertaining to see all the knowledge what you have now on this did so you know all that because I, I do I, I,
0: i i I was familiar yes oh okay cool tom greets the communications team greg says he's excited to get a feel for the hotties arctic foxes bit of norwegian wood
1: greg always exists in a certain stage of awkward do you feel like over the last two or three episodes that someone's just grabbed that dial and just cranked it up a little bit
0: greg does the best When he's comfortable, you notice that when he got a job where he felt like he had some level of stability, Kendall had given him a place. You Mm. notice he had like people over and he was like having dinner parties and he was like establishing himself a little bit. But when he feels like he's kind of like his role is perilous, unstable. Yeah. Here's the thing. Greg is administrative. He's not sales.
1: Oh, sure. Yes.
0: Because when he feels like he's having to like, you know, fight for his bread. He's a fucking disaster. Like, <laughs> cause I think he feels uncomfortable now. So everything out of his mouth is, uh, it's so good to be part of the family. <laughs> Look at me with an integral role in our team. Quad squad. Mm-hmm. Hugo explains, first off, Tom tells him to show some respect, which I would say, I'd say, Tom, that was probably, uh, that's all me. I, I said something stupid there, but I don't ever want to hear show's of respect for him <laughs> about everything. Pot you, kettle you got it. <laughs> Hugo explains, it's not a trip to the Guggenheim. It's musical electric chairs.
1: Again, Hugo, calm down. I know you're afraid you're going to lose everything in this episode. You're going to lose it because you can't stop worrying. <laughs>
0: Tom explained, that's a good point. Yeah, you you were probably fine, but you're just going to ruin it with your constantly running mouth. Tom explains that this is to see if they like each person after the acquisition. Hugo, find out who they like. Everyone else, welcome to the lime pit. Hugo <laughs> tells Greg he's on the other plane. He he couldn't wait to tell Greg that. Greg, you're on the other yeah. plane. Other plane, Greg. Get Greg, off my Greg. Greg pulls Tom aside and asks him if he's worried. He says, "No, with ATN carve out, he isn't worried about Matson. He's worried about getting whacked by the cast of Bugsby Malone over there." And he, you know, points, points to, to the, the three children. Oh, no,
1: it's yeah. the reds. Pointing
0: to the, the yeah, Reds, the Reds. Yeah, the three, the three Reds. Yeah, he's pointing to the Reds. Cut to the plane, and Carl and Frank are furiously putting on their compression socks. Shout out, I love Carl and
1: Frank. I love that detail. I love also the show did not feel the need to explain it to us.
0: It's just, yeah. After what we heard last episode, the Grays are taking precautions. I like that they they trust their audience, right? Because that is a yes. kind of a technical detail of the last episode that we we, we talked about on the podcast that he had died of. Uh, pulmonary embolism, he did, wasn't wearing his compression socks, possibly sure to try to, try to uh, impress Carrie and therefore threw a clot and died. And now these two, I, here's my headcanon. My headcanon is that Carl bought Frank compression socks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddies. And Frank was like, I, I feel, don't you feel a little old putting these on? And then Carl said, "Wouldn't you feel a little old dead?" And then they ended up putting them on because I feel like Carl would be pushing this conversation on Frank. I feel like uh, he's the one that forced the because he's the one that kind of bucks up to Tom when Tom's staring at him. Is like, "Hey, you got a fucking problem?"
1: I'm sincerely looking forward to at some point when you and I are in our seventies of where you buy the compression socks oh, yeah. and try to talk me into wearing them. That's going to be a great day.
0: Uh, oh, are you? I'll probably I'll probably have your blood pressure medicine laid out for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all oh, aware i'm gonna take it <laughs> I'll, I'll be doing all this health stuff for sure um tom says no no i don't have a problem but definitely makes a face and then the plane takes yeah off. uh cut to roman Schiff. says uh you guys are seriously non-concerned about the stat stuff because there's been more and what she's referencing is a lot of negative pieces about logan being printed pretty much by all non-atn media
1: Now, this is interesting, because I kind of interpreted what Kendall told to Hugo last episode was, you know, option it, get it prepared, and then, you know, talk to me about how it goes out or whatever else, or, you know, like, slow play it going out. Apparently, that wasn't the directive that was either understood or what the actual instructions from Kendall are. I'm guessing they were the actual instructions, because Kendall does not look offended. What apparently the message was, start releasing it immediately. No hesitation next day.
0: Yeah, I'll have to go back and look at the language of that, because I thought he was telling Hugo, go ahead and do it. Um... Because Kendall – because Hugo was saying, can I talk to some people about it? He's like, no, just fucking do it. Just, just
1: me. And, and, um, and clearly that's what it was because that's what Hugo is doing. Before they're even like doing the next part of the business, you know, I thought there was going to be some measure of weight. But no, this is strategy from the word go.
0: Kendall says he has to focus. Calispatron hibernation is giving them fits. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. So when – The Godfather, when The Godfather was made, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the type we need to put Kalispatron on the level that it probably needs to be on, which is The Godfather. Of course, yes. The studio had had problems with the first about 20 minutes of the film. They thought it was too dark. They didn't like the overruns. It gave the studio fits. Look, you have to do this in the pursuit of perfection, Spencer. And that's what they're going for here. Kalispatron hibernation, obvious perfection. There's going to be some overruns. Could I just
1: have, for the sake of the record, you repeating Calispatron hibernation, the pursuit of perfection? Because I just want those words somehow paired together again in the world.
0: Yeah, like so. What they could do is like have, ha- actually, have me in the voiceover. Calispatron, hibernation, pursuit of perfection. What?
1: it's going to be like the opening of wowie there's not going to be any dialogue they're going to rely on you to rely on you maybe as an omnipresent narrator to fill the void to some degree
0: we are going to watch a robot sleep in a cave for two hours i mean you have to do that similarities it's it's kind of like the television show where people tell you hey just get through the first two seasons and then it gets good that's kind of what (laughs) calytspatron hibernation is as a movie (laughs) i swear i
1: swear just watch the first two seasons of attack on
0: titan you'll really like it Overages, two hundred and twenty-five million of sunk cost already. Roman points out there is two weeks reshoots, which is equals twenty-five million dollars plus CGI, which probably could range them a few more million dollars. Kendall points out it's a sleepy robot in a cave. He wants to know how that cost a quarter bill. Schiff keeps. That's talking. a fair question. It is a fair question. Schiff keeps talking about the. Disturbing number of pieces that knife Logan and imply that his children, particularly his younger sons, have been covering for him for quite some time. Now, Shiv – I mean, what do you think – like – so Shiv obviously suspects that this is coming from Kendall and or Roman. How how sure do you think she is? Can you peg a percent sure that you think Kendall – that Shiv is at this point? Uh,
1: becomes even more sure when Kindle tries to, you know, tell Hugo to punish the people that are doing it. It's like if I think she talked, she turned to them seventy five percent. When Kindle does that, we're pushing ninety. It's like you know we're we're getting levels of pretty damn sure.
0: If someone is briefing anything against Dad, we'll crucify them. Okay, rat fucker Sam. Okay, what do you know the rat fucker Sam thing? Ah, uh, remind me. Uh, I was actually hoping you could remind me that I think that's a uh, reference from a Logan thing earlier in the season, earlier in the seasons, um, it vaguely ran, rings, uh, rings a bell with me. Anyway, hopefully maybe I, you can look I, it up. I, I will look it up. Kendall then asked Roman if he wants to do the Matson dossier with him for angles. Roman says, yay, let's do it. So they're kind of, they They are working together. They, and they it, are doing work.
1: They are working together. And it's interesting that what they're, the minutia, what they're focused on is a, is a is a, is a cost overruns on a movie. Which has nothing to do with this, with, with sale to what they're doing with Matson. It's at best a footnote in terms of the presentation they're making to him. This seems suggestive though, that they really like the job of, uh, they really like being in this chair. They really like managing these various aspects that would not matter towards the sale that much, but would matter in terms of the overall profitability of the company if they were keeping this job beyond the sale. Isn't that interesting?
0: So, Ratfucker Sam, he was the, um he was the character that was in charge of the dirty work inside the company. Mm-hmm. It, it was his Logan, job to, you know Remember, ca- uh, or, Logan ordered Carolina to give Sam the whistleblower the talk when he was, it, it, he was it, talking to Carolina.
1: It's the guy that it's it's the guy that <laughs> yeah, it, it's in the barrel to use no, to use another comparison. It's the one that's suffering for everybody else. That's
0: exactly that's right. Holding the bag once 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 the party's over, right. Uh, at this time, but no, to your point, yes, they seem to be wanting to do work of the company, not associated with the sale. You could see it coming a mile away that they were going to try to bail out of the sale. I mean, yeah. you could see this coming. Fucking- Sh-
1: Shib sees it too. Shib sees it
0: early. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this time, Roman cuts her off saying they're trying to squeeze every nickel out of this deal that they can and keeping the numbers across five fucking divisions is just, you know, when he said that, I, I thought. Keeping the numbers straight across five divisions about the sale, revenue numbers, profit margin, EBITDA, all this, it probably is really tough. Do you think Logan had any of that in his head when he went no. to meet with Matson?
1: That's the reason Logan had the Grays. That's the reason he would bring them around. It's the reason he would option that kind of thing. His job is to be, is to swing the big dick, to represent, to offer that kind of, you know, force and persona and everything else. The actual particular facts, that's the reason he's got these people around him to maintain that. He's got it in his head through putting, putting it in their
0: heads. I guess what I, I would say to Roman is like, you know, your dad didn't do all of this homework before these types of deals. I mean, he did some different kinds of homework, but not this. Why do you feel the need to do it? Why can't you option that out to other people? See,
1: look, I, I, here's the thing. Logan would be, is, was, would have been so much better prepared for this than they are, but not by doing the what they're doing he no. you know have a team prepared for that purpose and he would have a strategy prepared in terms of how he would go about this particularly for matson which i don't which i don't think they've got squared at all
0: he would have a re- approach for matson that he would have planned based on the psychology of the person and everything he's learned about them and i think he and I, and what we get from matson this episode is that logan was more effective and mm-hmm. negotiating with him directly. He liked Logan more than he likes these people. So well, it, it, it was working.
1: But it's the same criticism that, that we saw Logan offer to Kendall with respect to Walter. Is that you're, how you negotiate this is you, you see that guy right there. You beat that guy. That's what matters. That's your job. That's the big dick contest that he was always telling Kendall that he wasn't capable of. Sometimes it's just about beating the other person. And that's what he would have prepared for for Madsen. And that would have been so much more, I think, successful for these two guys than what they're otherwise offer.
0: Yeah, Roman, you you analyzing, you know, multi fiscal year EBITDA data on one of the divisions is not going to help you negotiate with Matson. Just you, let me tell you that. Do you
1: think Matson cares about that? No, he
0: doesn't give a fuck. Kendall says they are death wrestling with ogres. Shiv, you're reading documents is what you're doing, Ken. I've got in parentheses, Shiv is correct.
1: Yes. <laughs> Accurately summarized. Look at, yeah. look at, look at Chip and Jerry doing the Definitely,
0: effects. like, as a, as a Kendall supporter, that is absolutely something Ken is prone to doing. Overstating Dramatizing. everything he's doing. Traumatizing everything. Yes. Um, it, Kendall's very in character. Kendall says one thing, if you want to mention it, we can cut Tom's
1: throat. This is interesting. So I, I feel like they're very, they even tell her, they're, this is them trying to Throw her a bone of sorts. Do you think this is meant to be an honest to God, your sibling, we'd do this for you? Or you think yes. this is meant to be a distraction
0: no. or, or both? I think they were, I think they, I don't think they know Shiv that well. And I think that when they heard Shiv say, we're getting a divorce, they just made <laughs> they, the they very got simple be- math of, oh, well, she doesn't like Tom anymore. But like we get to watch Shiv in a much more like intimate way that they, they get to know her. We know that that doesn't mean she hates Tom. Like it does it at all? Far from it.
1: it as we've often discussed on um, our Ted Lasso podcast, is this them being a Lee in terms of a, a friend, a, a friend's
0: ex after a breakup? Just oh, you know, it might be. It might be yeah, my, yeah. Because I, I mean, that's that guy would, in particular. That's probably how I would operate as Shiv's friend. As Shiv told me, like, I'm getting a divorce from Tom. I'd be like, all right, well, then Tom can fuck himself. Like, you know, that's kind of <laughs> how I operate. But like, what we know about Shiv is that her her relationship with Tom lives in the middle. Like, it's. When it's real, real good, it's never real good. And when it's real, real bad, it's never real bad. Like she's always somewhere in the middle with this guy. And it's very clear to me in this conversation, she doesn't like the idea of firing him for no reason at all. Matter of fact, she was kind of appalled by it.
1: It's interesting, too. It seems like she's drawn to him at either her lowest or her best, and for very different reasons. Like, we know that they originally got together when she was at, like, possibly the lowest lowest. point in her life. Yeah. We also see her, the times that she seems to be drawn to him or flirt with him the most is when she feels the most empowered. So it's an interesting kind of range of when she's, you know, orbiting back around Tom to some degree.
0: What would have maybe made some sense... Uh, I know it's sort of a crazy thing to suggest to Kendall and Roman is to like <laughs> sit her down and say like, how are you doing with Tom? Like are you okay? No. Like can we talk about it? Like, like no. she's no. not shared no. any of that stuff. They're just like, Hey, we could just fire him for no reason. And to Shiv's credit, Shiv goes, well, what, what job is he doing? Is he doing a good job? And they're like, yeah, he's doing a fine job. And she's like, okay, and then they'll then fire keep him. him. It's pretty yeah. fucking simple.
1: <laughs> now we, we, we talked about this like an episode or two of Go. The mo- the day of the Logan's death was the only time we'd see these siblings close and supporting each other. That was it. The emotional connection
0: lived and died based on their father's passing. Well, you know, Kendall and Roman are pretty tight. This episode, I feel like. Yes, yes. Well, we'll get to a key
1: scene with respect fact with yes, and also a profound no because I feel like to a certain degree Kendall is also starting to treat Roman. Well, he's already doing this previously, but we see it highlighted here. He was treating Roman the same way like a Logan would treat a Roman in terms of just kind of browbeating him where you want to go.
0: Well, anyway, Shiv bails out of this conversation after telling them maybe you shouldn't fire the guy who's not doing a bad job, you know, Um, by saying, Hey, I got investor calls. I got to, got to go jump on these. So anyway, and she turns a corner and she sees Tom right there. I'm sure she had the thought. Maybe he heard us. Maybe he didn't. Uh, she gives him a very, very, very strange look. She gives him and he doesn't, when she leaves, Tom has a very perplexed look on his face too. Mm-hmm. In the background, Hugo is saying, this is something you catch with the subtitles. You know, sometimes it is funnier with subtitles. Sometimes it is. Always listen to subtitles. Sometimes funnier with subtitles. Thank you, Ken. He is saying, um, I happen to think we're being acquired by a high caliber organization. Carolina says that's coming out. Hugo goes on. I don't know, guys. I would say there's a lot to admire. Carolina that says, did you see? Their deputy of comms is a ski jumper. poke,
1: poke Ex winter poke. Olympian. I I enjoy these two work together consistently. It all, it seems like the most of their social interactions, though, was them actively trying to butt heads and, hurt and you know, poke each other. I don't think we've seen Carolina Hugo say a nice word in like a season and a half to each other.
0: Yeah. I mean, like one of the I think one of the worst atmospheres you can set in a, a professional organization, my humble opinion, yeah. is this crabs over barrel crabs in a barrel thing. That yeah. I have to. I, that there's only one I, slice I of pie. Eat, eat everybody, else and you gonna. have to beat. Yeah, it's the it's the the stories you hear of law school students ripping pages <laughs> out of books because <laughs> because there's only number one number one in the class, right? Because yes. you've out – when you rank everybody in the class, there's only one number I, one in the class. I, so they do. Shit I like can't
1: that. succeed if anybody else it gets close.
0: Right. Unfortunately, I think that's the type of organization they're working in. To the extent that I think Carolina even feels like she's got to ensure. That someone reporting to her doesn't take her job eventually. So she constantly sort of kicks down at Hugo um, because and but, and I think but, that's the type of organization they, they live in.
1: I think that's a great call because Carolina, I think we've we, we talked about her over the last couple episodes, is like the professional rock that everyone just relies on about, yeah, she's kind of the one that's making this whole thing run. And she's not immune to the atmosphere that Logan created in this company.
0: No, I mean – I think you called it right early in the season and you, you, you helped educate me on this. Hugo reports to Carolina, but I don't think Carolina's super interested in developing mm-hmm. Hugo. Like mm-hmm. I think she hey. just wants to make sure he does the work she needs and never takes her job. That's probably the two goals.
1: Hey, the only way to be indispensable is to have no one to replace you. If you train somebody that could actually step in to fill your job, that puts, it's putting you under threat.
0: Yeah. Unless you live in a healthy organization, but uh Carolina says they have (laughs) full Fulbrights coming out of their ass, Nasdaq Master Race. That's so funny. That's a funny one. That's a Logan line. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um or maybe more of a Kindle line. Uh she says they're just a bunch of really impressive, very serious
1: Young young people. people.
0: Ray points out that when they acquired the video game publisher, less than ten percent retention, incredibly meritocratic, insular, weird, brutal motherfuckers. I would like to say that. In this one sentence, Ray pretty much summed them up, I think, right? I think he pretty what much we nailed say, it. Yeah. yeah. Jerry then rallies the troops and I gotta give Jerry some credit. Jerry was not picked to be CEO, but she's showing why she could have been a good choice what? because she, she really does actually her. change the tone of this conversation.
1: She's the one that is able to unite the room and get them on message. And here she does so in a heartbeat.
0: Sure. They're young and they're fit. They're European though. They're soft, hammocked in their social security safety net, sick on vacation mania and free healthcare. They may think they're Vikings, but we've been raised by wolves exposed to a pathogen that goes by the name Logan Roy. So she's doing a lot of things here. One, she's
1: undermining about, the ta- opposition,
0: talking about their arrogance. Yeah. She's being, um, uh, sort of like, I, I guess you, a weird type of xenophobic maybe. Like she's like, uh, non-US is bad. Right. And then uh and then she's also uh hearkening back to the image of their their unifier, right? The the thing they all have in common, which is the <laughs> well, shared painful experience of working with Logan Royce. So she does a lot of things real quick.
1: I love the closing messages, we're better because we had to endure that son yeah. of a bitch.
0: Exactly. And 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 in ipso facto, we're better because we live in America and we have to deal with not getting we free- s- we not suffer. getting free health care, having to amass our own retirement so that we can actually retire one day. Like these things are harder, harder ways to live. It's more, uh, you know, it, it, it's diff- it, it, more difficult than the way she's framing life in Europe. Although that you can argue if that's factual or not, but the way she's framing it, so she's doing she's doing it by like a sort of like nationalistic way, and then she's yeah. also doing it in internal to their individual company and their shared experience with Logan.
1: Yeah, I think it's almost like doing cross reference with that whole like warrior race theory of where you have to be you have to be raised eating rocks and suffering and that makes you tough and ready to endure. Eat dirt. She's weaponizing that in terms of them going into negotiations. We we've endured and they haven't.
0: It does seem to work though because it, they stop talking. I think it, I think it does bolster a little bit of confidence.
1: Um, uh, uh, it, it does lead Hugo to claim that they are snakes on a plane, which is Hugo. You should just let her have the last word there because I don't think that's as effective as her message.
0: Didn't even write it down didn't even write that line down i felt like hugo hugo could have left that one right there in the uh in the chamber mm-hmm. then we get a great scene great succession scene music classical music playing people traveling in black suvs through very beautiful landscapes kindle is looking I, at screens
1: a quintessential succession scene i feel like we have to have multiple scenes every every season of black cars traveling through pretty places
0: he says you guys clock that he's a movie guy so he's saying that that Matson is Madsen. a movie guy. He says they might need a line about the cash incinerator that is the studio right now. So they're, they, in their private conversation, at this point, they still want the deal. At least, uh, at least in, in their strategy that, that they're talking about. So, and, so they're trying to prepare
1: for their weaknesses, that he's going to hit them where they're weak and they need a story and narrative ready to go.
0: Exactly. They're a, they're, what the writers are doing are establishing that they think their weakness is the studio. And then, of course, later on when they want to take the deal, the first thing they do is show them the movie.
1: Rotman is complaining. Go ahead. Would would it be fair to say that from Mattson's perspective, their weakness is them? That anything at the studio, anything else, none of that matters. From his perspective, their weakness is the two of them individually.
0: I would say he probably thinks that's one of the weaknesses. I think he also thinks, this is obviously a shot at Fox News, but I also think he thinks that it's a dying brand and that the business model has a shelf life and that doesn't really, that's not really the two of them's fault. That's just you have created a news network that caters to the elderly and eventually those people are going to die.
1: Which the counter argument to that is, but you're specifically looking to change the deal to buy it and also it's a cash winner now. So it's been fun to discuss that when we get there. Cause I, with Kendall, I think, I think Madsen apparently really doesn't understand what he's buying.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Roman asks Kendall if he's nervous, because Roman clearly is. He's fussing with the seatbelt. Anytime you're mad at a seatbelt, you're probably nervous. Yeah. Kendall says no. He's just some guy. Shiv makes fun of that. Says, wow, the Iceman. Kendall says maybe a little anxious about the deal. Kendall's anxious, by the way. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not bury the lead. Kendall is anxious.
1: Meanwhile, like you said, Shiv looks cool as a cucumber throughout
0: all of this. She looks utterly, she looks removed from the situation. Yeah, she says, look, guys, you'll do great. Just remember, every dollar you squeeze makes us stronger for when we do Pierce ATN, yeah? <laughs> um, L- little, little did they know,
1: Shiv's already out on that idea.
0: Yeah, so what, when she says Pierce ATN, what she's saying is that um, the money that we'll have to buy Pierce to sub Pierce in for ATN to make the deal mm-hmm. work. and Gives, gives us thing. extra
1: cheddar to work with later.
0: Hey Cheddar, look at you pulling out a 1980s I'm phrase hip. there, cheddar. <laughs> I'm four
1: decades ago hip.
0: Kendall just nods to that. More scenes of beautiful Norway. They arrive. Ray is making fun of Hugo, asking if he's looking forward to meeting his winter Olympian. (sighs) Mocking him endlessly. Uh, Hugo's been digging, though, and he now knows the guy blew a seven-point lead at the Sochi Winter Games. He's a possible choker, Ray. Possible choker. Okay. Yeah.
1: Hugo, Hugo, please.
0: Please stop. Stop pointing the gun at your own foot. Just Point it any other direction, please. Didn't Ray have a great line before I didn't cover it in a recap where he said, like, uh, this guy's a, a former Olympian and you can barely stand up. You're, you're fucked. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting.
1: It seems like all of the room of their level of, we'll, we'll call them the Greys, they're, they're a different category of Greys, see Hugo was the weak one. They see him as the one, as the one gazelle the
0: lions are going to eat first. So Shiv says a line here that's funny. But I also think it establishes her power because what she's doing is to Matson's people mm-hmm. telling them, telling them jump street. I am not scared of your guy mm-hmm. because she starts. This is the first line she says to them out of the car. Yeah. Which way to chairman Madsen's reeducation camp, which is funny. Oh. hilarious, but also establishes like, this is the one person in these SUVs you don't fuck with.
1: Yeah. There, there. We see Matson later declare that Shiv's the one that's most like Logan. That line screams Logan.
0: I could hear him say that. You really could. Yeah. yeah. They get in golf carts and off they go. More succession music. Roman is in his room, not loving it. Although I liked it. Look, look like a nice room.
1: It's. T- I mean, it, it is small, but I would love to stay in a little place like that.
0: Oh, are you kidding me? Amongst the trees and everything. He goes in the bathroom with his bag. I thought this they were going to do a drug angle here because he was pulling out pills, but I don't. I don't think they were. I don't know what those pills are. What what pills do we see
1: Roman doing frequently? I, I don't know. I, he's kind of straight laced in that regard. He was the one that was like rescuing Kendall from that kind of thing. I, I don't
0: I don't know why they had him mess with pills because I think we're watching Succession. You've you've made us you've conditioned us to think that pills would matter, but I actually kind of don't think they matter. I think it was just a thing to do with his hands before he got in a conversation with Kendall. Do do they have any connection? To all of the pills he was picking up the ground
1: with Carrie last episode. Except we, we saw him dealing with – I don't – I wouldn't think they would, but that's the only other pill connection I've got with Romanoff, offhand. I
0: honestly think that the thing with Carrie with the the pills that fell on the ground don't, doesn't matter. I think the writers are
1: P- Pills, not,
0: everyone. I think they're giving us some red herrings there and I don't know why. Hmm. Um. Anyway, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that will come in. But anyway, what, Roman calls what,
1: what do you think of the glass effect, by the way, where it's kind of like hanging off the side of a cliff? Would that mess with you to a certain degree? Probably not. It's like a glass box on the outer wall, even like going underneath your feet, it looked like to a certain degree.
0: Well, if it was under my feet, I probably would, would not like that too much. But no, I don't think it would mess with me from a heights perspective because you're not you're not moving. You're sort of established right. just like in one spot. Now, when they're doing the fucking ski lift back and forth to the <laughs> top, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't think
0: I'd like that very much. Um, immediately, Kendall, people wonder, they're like, Lee, why do you constantly say you like Kendall? Is for little moments like this. Kendall's mad he got mud on his sneakers. And guess what, guys? <laughs> I would be I, pissed. I turned to Bridget when we got to that line and said, well, he's going to have an opinion there. That's I would the also be, I would be, too. Because, like, look, a trip like that where you, you kind of – he's been in a flight for a long time. Mm-hmm. He probably wants to be, like, business casual to a certain extent. And business casual for Kendall and myself is a really nice pair of sneakers. And then he has to trip oh, yeah. through the fucking mud. I'd be incensed. I'd be unhappy about this. Uh, he asked Roman, you like the merch? Roman jokes that he's going to jerk off over it while staring at Kindle, you little bitch. So Roman's <laughs> just enjoying he's, himself.
1: He's got like a little spy hole staring at Kindle across the way.
0: Yeah, the, the, they they see each other So is that you? Yeah, of course it's me, the handsome one. So they're kind of joking around. Roman says, when a bear shits in the woods, it uses one of these, I think.
1: <laughs> I love love just how utterly elitist these guys are about i what would you imagine if you like if you like wanted to stay at a hotel that had these kind of rooms what it would cost Do we, i don't even have a frame of reference to in, know norway, that in norway in s- norway in a private estate retreat kind of shit
0: six seven hundred bucks a night maybe if not more, I have
1: no idea. I really don't know, and they're treating it as being—you'll never utterly know. beneath them.
0: You'll no, nev- no, you'll never know. That, no, that's no, something you'll never. I will price rely
1: out. on pictures of you on your thirtieth anniversary going to one of those places.
0: Yeah, if you go to Norway, it's like bed and breakfast all the way. Like I found yeah, a nice little bed do, and breakfast. do hostel. they have?
1: a, Do they have a Motel Six? I need to a know. Hostel.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Spencer. So, if you ever European travel, let me help you. Um, for them, hostel means Motel Six. So that's the oh, word you want okay. to learn.
1: I thank you for that language translation. I would have been so lost.
0: Motel six (laughs) equals hostile. Uh, uh, Kendall's door opens and he hangs up with Roman divisional heads are offered brunch and the negotiating teams are invited to the top to get in. So this is just briefing. Kendall
1: does look like a great brunch. I would have been, I I, I would have fallen for the trap and been down on that brunch real fast.
0: Yeah. So off Kendall goes, they go up this massive ski lift. that's just all glass. And Oh God, it looks awful.
1: I would just be riding that up and down.
0: Oh, oh, man. I would not like that. I'd ask, I'd ask Roman what those pills were in his damn bag before I got <laughs> <of> that thing. <laughs> and it's Shiv, Kendall, and Roman in this ski lift with Frank and Carl. Frank asks them if they want to walk through the deal again. Roman says, it's good. They're good. they Shiv, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Spencer, who said that? Mike Tyson. There you go. Carl says, might I just add, I've seen guys going in a lot, playing hardball, and then not being able to row it back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Listen to fucking Carl. Carl mentioned that Logan would often start with a joke. I don't know if I believe that. Just to establish that no matter how tough things get, this is douchey Kendall. Full display. He writes down 154 on a clip, 144 on a clipboard and holds it up saying this whole thing, right? If I go under 144, bad result. Above 144, good result. That's pretty much it, right? So being super reductionist. I, sh- I mean, At this point,
1: I wasn't sure so what was that, going to happen, but I shared the concerns the Grays had about what Kendall and Roman would be able to bring to this. I, I worry about Kendall whenever the douche gauge starts to get a little bit more full with respect to him. Yeah. And we're getting some higher douche Kendall this episode.
0: Yeah, I think we're meant to. When he gets too confident, he gets in trouble. Roman's is happiness increasing exponentially with each additional dollar until such time as Carl creams his pants while dropping into his golden parachute.
1: I like that Carl smiles at that. It's like, okay, yeah, that, one, that 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 is correct. Also, fuck you.
0: Kindle says they're hoping for 147, 148, but would settle for 145, 146. That's the whole game. Remember these numbers, folks. 145, 146. That's a victory to them.
1: Now, keep in mind that those numbers do exclude ATM. There is a bit of an apples and oranges going on, but from the sake of the shareholders, all they're really going to care about is the number at the end of the day.
0: Well... It doesn't include ATN, but it does include Pierce. So there is a media piece to that. So I understand that Pierce, that do, it doesn't have an equivalent value to ATN, right? So there is a bit of a boost in price that should happen there. But it's not like just wholesale subtracting ATN because they're dropping Pierce into it. Are they dropping Pierce into it? I, was, I wasn't I was sure about that. Yeah. Shiv referenced it earlier where she said it oh, okay. gives us more money for the Pierce uh, ATN switch. Mer- merger Ruby. deal thing. I'm yeah. About. Roman gets a phone call and it's Connor. Connor's not having a, Connor, Connor is having a bad day. He's at, he's at Frankie Campbell's.
1: Connor's the rat fucker of this episode. He's been left holding the bag to manage the funeral with Marsha, with Marsha there while everybody else is off in Europe. With no instructions and every, knows everybody's gonna second guess him at the end.
0: If there's one constant about Connor is when you give Connor something to do, he takes it seriously. He does, and
1: does not have a good time of taking it seriously.
0: He says, marsha has been in, and she's talking about putting him in a kilt like a fucking Bay City Roller."
1: Uh, I gotta ask, open casket? What's your opinion? So I'm very negative on the open casket.
0: Yeah, I uh, I think it's if the family wants that it, it should be done. I don't think, I think if you don't like it, then don't look. I think it's pretty I, simple.
1: I, I, I mean for me. I would never want an open casket kind of thing arranged for me. I view it oh. as kind of morbid. If family likes it, whatever. I, I can choose to experience that however I want. For me, more morbid, yeah, morbid it, and unnecessary. Yeah, but if
0: you're dead, you, nobody gives a shit what you want. It's I write a, it,
1: this shit down. They'll have instructions. I will matter. haunt them.
0: Doesn't matter. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's if the family. You're gonna be stuffed, aren't you? You're gonna put I me think in a corner stuffed. If the family needs that for closure, if the family needs it for closure, sure. But I, mm. I could probably go without it. Be honest with you. Okay. Mental note. I will put you in a kilt. But as a good Southern guy like I am, I, I'm not as against it as others are. It's a very Southern thing to have the open it, casket.
1: It is very traditional. This is true. Uh
0: oh. Kendall just says in the background, can't he just figure it out? Thank you, Kendall. Appreciate
1: me just figuring out our dad's funeral arrangements.
0: Connor clearly hears that. Kendall also says it's drama. It just sounds like drama. Connor says, I heard that. Hey, look, I've got a pretty full plate here, okay? I just had to cancel in a room full of working-class whites in Cleveland. So he's still in the middle of his presidential campaign. It, does Kendall – Kendall, at some point in
1: the conversation, doesn't he write like moron on his little whiteboard douche, douche meter?
0: He does. It's like, Under 144, he writes moron and holds it up and points to it. Now that uh, – I look, I – I like to support Kendall when I can. That's not defensible. You have left him there to fucking deal with the funeral arrangements for your dad. You know, you know, the funeral has a bajillion fucking people there. You go, you fuck off to go do this thing that you, to be honest, Kendall, you and Roman are enjoying Mm -hmm. and you can't so much as like have a phone call with him. And and by the way, even if you didn't want to deal with him, maybe just don't call him a moron. How about that?
1: Man, it shows also just how night and day Kindle gets once every starts to feel himself a little bit because yep. we talked about like two or three episodes <clears> ago <throat> he was the one that was trying to support Connor he was the one that was checking out Connor was he was the one that encouraged them to go out for Connor's you know bachelor party kind of thing that Kindle is not here right now that Kindle is looking down on Connor because he thinks it looks good
0: I made a car revving engine because i was I was yeah. making the analogy of like with Kendall, it's led Zero to it, and he just goes, right? Yeah. I completely agree with you. That's what he's doing here. Um, Connor says he's genuinely concerned that Logan will look odd, and he'll be blamed. Shiv takes the phone, cuts right to it. I love Again, Shiv fucking crushing in control in this episode. Here. She says, Con, what do you need from us? Which is the perfect question. And yeah. he says, I just need carte blanche. I just don't want to be blamed later if I do something and you guys don't like it. And Kendall's like, you got it. You got carte blanche? Go. Send photos or whatever. Roman's like, what the no, fuck? No, no, don't. Roman's like you. Don't send photos. I don't want to see a dead body. Are you crazy? Well,
1: it, it's notable from like the one little vague reference that we get from it later. Seems like Connor did an okay job.
0: I'm sure from, he did. From Just what we hear, it seems like the dead. The dead looked fine afterwards. Sure, he did. Cut to the brunch. Hugo is asking for a waffle among other things. He tells <laughs> Tom it's a serious Scandi spread. You know a sca- if No, if I told you, Spencer. Hey, come on down. Uh, from your room to the hotel lobby, we got a scandy spread here, Scandinavian spread for breakfast. Would you know what that is?
1: I would not know what a Scandinavian breakfast was. I'd be intrigued to find out. And if it's this, I'm in.
0: I would be yeah. in, in, in a, in a heartbeat. It's like a real amped up version of the European breakfast with the, 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 the deli, the belly meats mm-hmm. and the marmalades and the bread and the just the, all the things you pick and sort of play with. That's why he's got a fucking pile a plate. Uh, The Gojo gang walks in. Matson's gang is still Gojo, right? That's the name of the company. Gojo?
1: It is, yeah. Okay. I'm curious your thoughts because Tom kind of says to everybody, oh, look at this. They were fattening up. It was a trap. I think he's actually right. I think the big, since we never see the Gojo guys eat, I think in some ways this was a bit of a trap to leave them, you know, off-put, holding things, sluggish from the food kind of thing.
0: I think everything they do is meant to make the way star people feel awkward.
1: Mind games.
0: They don't, they want them feeling awkward and unsure of themselves in every one of these conversations. Matson does it to everybody he talks to, except for Schiff. He tries to make people feel uncomfortable, unsure of what's coming next, and ultimately on their back foot. Like, and that's exactly what this thing is. Cause they, that, why else have them start eating before they come in? And then they don't touch the food. It's really,
1: I, I, this is again, if Jerry had been in charge, this would have been such a different thing. They really should go into this room with the mindset of they're already winning. Matson wants the deal. He's talking to you about renegotiating for more money. You're already ahead. Own the
0: room. Don't 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 be on the back foot with respect to this. Or maybe this is when being southern would have helped you. Because Southern people would have said we can't start eating until they get here, and then Mm -hmm. they would have been on their back foot.
1: i I, i'm southern i would have been on my third plate before anybody else walked in that room
0: yeah you do not you don't wait for people to get their food you don't wait for grace spencer eats when the food gets there
1: i I, I, literally other people would walk in and i would vaguely wave over my shoulder before i can get enough bacon loaded up on this thing
0: can we give carolina some credit for learning the basic greeting in swedish good after
1: well done. Hey, of the, of the room, you'd expect Carolina to be the one to do it.
0: I mean, my God, it's, a, it's such a simple fucking thing. Why not? Why, why not take the two seconds it lear- it takes to learn that mm-hmm. and do it. It's such a nice touch. Nobody else does it, including Kendall, Shiv and Roman.
1: Good point. Good call. I would have expected I mean, with how many months they've been handling this negotiation. You would think more people would follow Carolina's footsteps and learn a little bit of Swedish.
0: Yeah. She says that she's from comms and public affairs. They shake. She shakes hand with Eva. who is her counterpart over at dojo carolina tells her she looks well very refreshed that's the closest we i think we've gotten in about a season and a half to carolina feeling awkward still does a lot better than some of the other ones Mm -hmm. tom chuckles nervously at that and says um or tom uh chuckles nervously as this guy oscar comes up and he says
1: oscar was the guy on the phone right the one yes. that was answering the call
0: for Matson, He was, and he was the one so, saying, um he won't do it now. Yeah, yeah. Shit like that. So he says, Tom. Oh, yeah. Tom of Siobhan. I love how dismissive that is. I mean, that, that is that is studied in practice. How do I put
1: this guy on his back foot? I know. Let's say this.
0: Tom chuckles nervously at that and says, yeah, Anna, ATN. Tom says he's not really part of this whole situation. We shall see. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, if you want a little guide of our forest, of the mighty oaks and the deadwood, that was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just give me a nod.
1: And then it, Oscar,
0: ca- here's the thing. I have a theory here. I think these these interactions played a big part into the list we see later mm-hmm. because Carolina learns a little bit of the language and she's pleasant and nice to Eva. Tom immediately offers his services to Oscar. Now he's, yeah. Tom is an odd, odd duck. But Oscar kind of gives him a sort of like, "Huh, you're the guy." Okay, all right, yeah, sure. Uh, it, it was it was as pleasant as, as any of these interactions went. I think Tom Tom had as pleasant an interaction as happened.
1: Yeah, I saw people debating online whether Tom survived as a result of Shiv or not. I think I think we can debate either way. But from the two scenes, Tom gets interacting with the other side. I think he does rather well in terms of you know proving, pro- offering what he needs to to show some measure of backbone
0: and survive. He certainly. I think he. I, some people could have taken the Oscar response as Oscar being condescending to him. I thought Oscar just kind of got a chuckle out of it. Was like, oh, okay, you're the guy. All right, got it. <laughs> I thought it at you, went Opportunistic well. fuck. We'll use you. Exactly. Someone told Hugo, easy, buddy, leave some for the rest of us is what you're talking about. They were just waiting to make fun of you for eating, but Mm -hmm. they invited you to a brunch and offered food. It's a bunch of fucking assholes. And again, they invited you all here. Let's return to that here in a minute. Hugo tries to to offer his food to the guy, which was a bizarre move. Then Hugo meets his counterpart, counterpart, Andreas, and he mentions that, oh, aren't you the guy that almost got a bronze at Sochi?
1: Hugo has a lot of just cringy lines. One of the lines he offers there when he meets meeting Andre is, I metabolize fast because I'm dynamic. Hugo, what are you doing? You're not bad at your job. Why are you acting like you are?
0: He's so strange. Yeah, and that guy says, yeah, another lifetime ago. Which, just uncle Lee out there to the kids, if you mention something and somebody says, yeah, another lifetime ago, they probably don't want to talk about it stop that's a that's a that they're just trying to tell you yeah i don't really want to get it to get into that right now but
1: it's interesting because hugo seems to think that he needs to defeat this guy by being kind of like a hostile dick to him it's like that's not how that really works really No. no that that guy still has the power effectively of god over you because he's part of the corporation that's taking you over
0: and he says man it's almost huge those darn tenths of a second tough then he walks off and tells Carolina, Carolina, that guy was a dick. It's like, I don't know, Hugo, like you were, it seemed
1: we, like you were kind of the asshole there. That guy was trying to laugh off you being a dick to him. kind walks
0: in, meets Madsen, who immediately starts making fun of the fact they have so many people with them. But Madsen is the one who asked for all those people. It's just a maddening sort of cycle of constant, like confusing behavior, bizarre requests. You know, like, unexpected lines. That's that's the whole M.O. of Matson.
1: Yeah, he even says, like, yeah, you brought the whole gang. You've outmaneuvered me. Look at me, just solo here. The guy is constantly do- doing a power
0: trip it. with respect to them. Yeah. He goes on and on about it. He then looks at Shiv. Uh, not sure what to do here. Am I going to get a lawsuit if I hug you?
1: <laughs> By the end of the episode, maybe.
0: Yeah, you probably won't get a lawsuit for offering to hug her, but you will for you know like offering her cocaine and you know a bunch of different euphemisms for having sex with her
1: uh yeah let's get through those by the
0: time we're done whole gang huh outmaneuvered me i'm solo baby scared to talk to me without the village elders which i think he's just sort of you know darts against a wall or spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks right he's poking but, whatever but this is going to work with kendall because if you say, Kendall, hey, man, are you scared to, like, actually be the leader of this organization? The first thing he's going to do is whatever the thing is to prove that he's not scared. Like, yes. That's going to happen right away.
1: Off his game already.
0: Yeah. Kendall says, we don't want to outmaneuver you, bro. I get the sense that Kendall starts a lot of the bro stuff when he's nervous. He says bro yes. at the end of sentences when he's nervous.
1: because He's trying to connect. He's trying to, you know, establish some measure of rapport so he feels more comfortable and it – has it ever worked with anybody other than Stewie in terms of people we've seen on the show? No. Because it certainly didn't work with Walter, like the first time we ever saw it. And it not work with Mattson at all.
0: Not at all. But Kendall did get to fire all those fuckers. So that was nice.
1: Small victories, yes.
0: Kendall tells him, let's talk. Just us. Let's do it. Frank's lean- Frank leans in, but they ignore him. Kendall and Roman go off with him. Shiv says, fuck him and his dude bluff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dude, dude, she, dude bluff. she
1: reads the guy quick. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and her, and her I mean, philosophy. Bloof. I
1: mean, Roman and Roman and Kindle's philosophy is let's try to cater to him. Let's try to make sure we don't piss him off. Whatever else, Shiv's philosophy is more along the lines of her dad. It's just, I know what you're doing, and fuck you for doing it. That let's, yeah. Let's get started.
0: Yeah, and you know the 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 sort of frustrating part about these people is that if Ken if if Shiv had been named CEO, and she was going in having to prepare, you could totally see a world where she overdoes it, and she's like. You know, because remember when when Logan you know named her as the heir and she was mm. just sort of in her own head and over the top, and you, and you could see a world in that situation where Kendall is the sort of bystander who has a lot of insight, is you know super capable, reads Matson well, but it's when they get the responsibility, they get in their own head, they get so caught up in it that they just fucking trip over their own foot.
1: I said, she's succeeding hardest in this episode, at least in part, because she has the least to lose. This isn't her game. She's the one without an official title. She's the one that can kind of roam freely as a result, and she weaponizes it well.
0: But this, this version of Shiv, if she can stay in this lane mm-hmm. and not... You know, like take a none of not, them can, none and not of them like can, not like get a compliment and then go fucking bizarrely crazy. Yes. If she can stay in this, she's the one that should be talking to Lucas because she is reading bullshit really well, and she's also willing to just tell him to fuck what? right off. And I think I think in some ways Lucas responds well to that. He's he does he doesn't
1: want to have to deal with this just false Scooby Doo bullshit. He just wants somebody to call him an asshole
0: and give him a number. He's also sexually attracted to her. That Lucas takes that into a, a different. Lot. He thanks them for coming out. Roman, not like our dad died yesterday. It was a couple days ago. So, so he, here's the thing about Roman. Roman is offended that this guy made them leave during the fucking funeral. Like he's like, there's these moments with Roman where he's like the only like sliver of normal because Mm -hmm. they, they should be mad about that. They should be really pissed that this guy is forcing them to have this conversation instead of be at their dad's funeral. But nobody else seems to care except for Roman.
1: No one else even mentions it. If anything, other people tried to silence Roman from mentioning it. So it's a great call that that's a a human family-focused connection that we, we really only get from Roman kind of at all anymore.
0: And then Madsen does, like, the thing that I fucking can't stand. When somebody's, like, struggling with something, when you try to do this sort of, like aggrieved olympics like oh well let me tell you a story about my life that's even let, worse let's compete how the fuck does that help anybody oh well you're struggling with your grandmother's death well my mom just died so i know who that doesn't shut up basically
1: and i love that he even doubles down he talks about you know i guess he found his dad dead in a bmw or something along those what he lines. Says. and then once he finishes that he then basically asks them he says no sorries for lucas it's like Let's make it firmly emotionally about me now.
0: No sorries for Lucas. And Kendall's like, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, bro, sorry. Most douche, there's competition,
1: but that was the line I deemed most despicable of the whole episode.
0: We've talked about these three kids a lot on this podcast, and they all have things that are okay about them, things Mm -hmm. that are really bad about them, strengths, weaknesses, etc., I don't think either three is as big a shit as fucking Lucas is. I think Lucas stinks. I don't Pioneer like this guy territory. at all. Like I think he's on, he's in Logan's territory as how bad a person he is.
1: Yeah, and and yet I still wasn't realm of finding Logan at least oddly compelling. I mean, credit to the actor; he does a killer job with the role, and he's a wonderful actor from a lot of other things. Don't ask me to, remain, to repeat his name. We don't do that on this show. Um, but Scarsgard, it it is the younger Skarsgård. I think you're right. Um, but. From, uh, while I found Logan compelling and interesting, whatever else, my response to this guy at every point is, man, you are an incredible douche. I never leave that emotional response to this guy.
0: Well, I mean, it, it strikes to the, the like fundamental anti-capitalist message of the show, which is basically what they're portraying is the, the people who are super successful in this environment. Do are so by the, being are assholes? The, are the sh- the biggest pieces of shit. And they're able to succeed because they don't have a conscience about certain things. Mm-hmm. They're willing to be assholes. Like, the three biggest successes we've seen in business in this show are Lucas, Logan, and Sandy. And all three suck. Assholes in different, in different but, unique ways. But Lucas might take the cake. He's really fucking bad.
1: Well, it was interesting that Logan didn't even want to be around the guy. <laughs> That's how much even Logan viewed him as just an irredeemable in, in, in asshole.
0: And then Roman... Um, talks to Lucas, kind of like how Spencer talks to me during basketball season. He's like, uh, congratulations to your kicky ball on getting a win, doing a win. Did you say doing a win? He did say
1: to, the, uh, they, they won a thing. I think something along those yeah.
0: lines, <laughs> Lucas, Lucas cuts right through that and says good dossier on me. You want to know what I have on you? Then Roman and Kendall both start talking at the same time to kick things off. This is the type of thing that if you would have had a modicum of patience and talked to Carl and Frank about your approach, you could have figured out that both of you planned on talking first.
1: Yeah, no, they're not going to coordinate that. They're going to talk over each other and start tripping up because that's what they do. And Madsen,
0: of see, course, Sidney buy, Bros buying into his strategy makes a bigger deal out of the awkward moment than he needs to because he wants them constantly feeling awkward. Yes, he says it's just me, guys. You could tell you. it's just me. It's just come on, Spencer. It's Calm just down. Why, it's like down. they've why been are friends you, for
1: fifty years? Just me. Why, why are you so stressed? Just take a breath. Just come me. on. I'm here for you right now.
0: Yeah, what what can't you trust about fucking Lucas Matson? Kendall asked him, "What the fuck is this?" By the way, sometimes Kendall, I feel like Kendall's real strength would have been as a writer, mm-hmm. because he can do he can he can comment on things in such a way that is so brutally honest that makes me super self-conscious like sometimes when he kind of gets into my little venn diagram <laughs> like he can cut through bullshit like as he says this line he says what the fuck is this place the 50k wedding mill for lawyers daughters bridal <laughs> shots by the windows oh and it's so effective
1: oh. Lu- even lucas just kind of goes yeah it's kind of bullshit it
0: it shuts him up for a minute <laughs> 50k Wedding mill for lawyers, daughters, bridal shots by the window. He, he could be a writer. That was, that's a really good takedown of that type of place. Um, he says he doesn't care. He wants to get into it. Roman says they like the offer, but it doesn't fully reflect the full value of what he's purchasing. So, towing the company line. Madsen points out they lost 20% of their stock on the day that Logan died. Kindle <laughs> mm-hmm. counters that they've recovered 10% on Monday. This part they're prepared for. This is reflecting,
1: you know, the research and the prep they did. It's showing. They they saw this one coming and they counter it. They counter and address it immediately.
0: Yeah. He says Logan was ever going to be a part of the company going forward. So in a business sense, his absence is not relevant. Roman says their key growth drivers are unaffected by Logan not being there. All mm-hmm. of that's probably true. Matson says he feels like he's willing, feels like he's going to the checkout during a sale and being asked to pay more. Kindle says, if you were willing to pay 144 last week, can I interrupt you? I'd rather you didn't, but you already did. So I'm stealing this. <laughs> I am stealing this. Thank you, Kendall. Wasn't yeah, that good? Because Kendall that just kept talking. good. I loved he, that when he did that. He just goes, oh, I'd rather you didn't, but you already did. So go ahead. Whew. And you notice when he did it, like Roman goes, like, uh-oh, we might have a problem here. Because I think that's the <laughs> first indication that Kendall was starting to take some of this personally. Yeah. And I think Roman didn't like to see that. I wouldn't have liked to see that if I was Roman. I think he just immediately noticed it. I again,
1: from a business standpoint, probably not the best thing to say. From us, a watching standpoint, loved it.
0: I'm stealing it. Can I interrupt you? Die? Well, you, I'd prefer if you didn't, but you already did. Oh, so good. Lucas then says he wants to buy their entire operation for one single dollar. What you take would you make of this joke? What what the fuck was this?
1: I, I wouldn't even react to it. If I, if I was there and he said that joke, I would just stare at him. I would wait for him to say the next thing with that kind of
0: thing. So exactly what Kendall did. That's what Kendall yes. did. Yeah. Roman kind of gave him a, I'm over it. Look, but Kendall just looks at him. Matson laughs. I feel like it's a pretty, pretty good writing for, you know, one of these sort of techie guys. I don't know. I'm really generalizing and stereotyping, you, but like you hitting the social yeah.
1: awkwardness kind of
0: edge yeah you know like somebody who's like been a coder or developer like you know like the, basically the zuckerberg type right like because i mean zuckerberg by his own admission went through a period of social awkwardness as being a ceo when he's out in the public right i kind of feel like maybe that's the type of joke they were going for because it wasn't it wasn't remotely funny it was out of place and it just seemed like they were trying to portray to us that madsen himself could be a bit awkward
1: it, it, it is either that or it's madsen trying to again mind games element just trying to say how little he cares about this that he can't take that he's not taking it seriously like that he's willing to just make a bad joke in the middle of negotiations rather than move things forward, but I'm kind of leaning with you that I think he almost kind of meant this as being a p- bit of humor and it just didn't land at all.
0: Yeah, I think he's. I think he's taking this seriously. I do think he want. I think he. I think like he. My he is what he's representing more, more debate. Good point. I my theory on this, and I, I, I talked about this a couple episodes ago, is I think Matson has pressure from his investors to get this done. Like, I think that this isn't just him on an island making this decision. I think he's being pressured to get it done as fast as possible. That's why you get these (sighs) bit, that's why, you know, you got this real big number thrown out at the end when he got kind of shook that they weren't gonna, they weren't gonna do the deal. All of a sudden now, boom, here's 190 something, which was like a, just blow out the water number.
1: There there was a, there's a couple moments in this episode where I'm straight there with you, where we get Mattson indicating that he's not, maybe isn't in control of the situation, he's, he'd like to represent that he is, that he is getting a lot of pressure, that he's trying to speed this along as much as possible. If the, if the Waystar, Waystar, the Waystar team sees that, their response should be, let's pump the brakes as much as possible, because this is something we control.
0: I think that Kendall and Roman basically Accidentally... Tro- Basically tripped on their own ego and fell into the perfect play. Yes, like I think that they their 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 ego got in the way. It caused them to trip and completely go with a strategy they weren't planning on, and it just happened to be the perfect strategy for him. But we'll, we'll get to it. It, it, it. Very much so. Let's get. We'll, we'll talk about it in that scene. Matson says he's laughing, getting Roman says no. He says, but I do want ATN though. Roman says no, that's off the table. You notice in this entire conversation, Roman is much more. Protective of ATN than Kendall is. And I think that speaks to his relationship with Logan and Kendall's strange relationship with Logan.
1: 100%. Roman's reason for this is 100% purely loyalty to his dad. That's it. He doesn't reference that they have any plans for it. Doesn't reference that it's a a cash value to them. Doesn't reference that it wasn't previously part of negotiations. His grounding is that's not what dad wanted. He's that is purely just loyalty to his father's vision is the reason that he's offering that. Kendall doesn't say a thing on that regard. So Kendall's fighting on this, but not at all for the reason that Roman is.
0: Yeah, exactly. Matson tells him, look, you throw an ATN, you can get the sugar you've been looking for. Kendall asks what the price is. Roman sort of pushes back on even asking for the price, but that's yeah,
1: not part of the discussion.
0: Matson gives it to him anyway. He says, 187 per share, 50-50 cash stock. Important thing to point out about the 50-50 cash stock deal is that you are relying on Matson to continue to have a company that is as valuable at the time of the sale Going forward or more valuable as, Wait. as, as, the, as it was at the time of the sale. Otherwise you will lose money on the transaction. So you are, you are somewhat making a bet on Madsen to continue to, you know, run this company in a really positive way,
1: which Kendall wisely focuses on later is that we're, you know, you have to understand this product. We, our shareholders have to be confident that you can do well with it. Otherwise we're not getting anything out of this.
0: Well, you get the 50% cash but you, you you're you, you you're not getting what you, don't, you think
1: you're getting
0: <laughs> yeah you don't get the you don't get the value right because if i if i give this to you you fuck it all up you tank your stock then then basically i got 50 cents on the dollar right he says maybe you guys haven't done this before Ooh, this is tough but how it usually works but normally i say something and you guys say something because if you don't say anything kendall can i up- interrupt you for a second to say <laughs> fuck off <laughs> <laughs> mattson laughs at that one that was pretty good
1: Kendall's doing pretty well with this conversation I feel like Roman's kind of just back seeing it because I think he got caught entirely off guard about the ATM thing from the start I, 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 don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he'd ponder that to any degree which he should have because the dad had to carve that out originally anyway so it would be obvious that Matson's going to push on that topic but I don't think he's emotionally ready to negotiate over his dad's legacy
0: yeah, Roman keeps saying it doesn't work for us. And Matson keeps saying, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it does They almost get into like a childish yes, yeah. no, yes, no thing for a little mm-hmm. while. Um, Matson then like trying to read their minds says, you like it. You like it pointing to Roman. Um, pointing to Kindle. Well, it, uh, it, he, he was pointing to Kendall when he said that? I, don't, I, thought, I, he was, I, I, I thought he was pointing to Roman when he said they, they, there's something in there you like. But regardless, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's doing this sort of – Again, I think the writing is that Matson is not that great with people because he's like you. you He's doing the thing bad comics do. This guy gets it. Like mm-hmm. when you say that when you do Work that, you lost the audience. Like that's kind of what he's doing. Anyway, Roman says they're going to take a beat, and he walks out, leaving Matson in the room. Um. Oh, so fucking eager says Roman to Kendall. Roman to Kendall then says, yeah, yeah. So do we say, yeah. Kendall says, yeah, we say, so then Roman then explains the offer that Madsen gave them to, to the Carl, gr- Jerry and Frank. A- and, uh, sh- no sh- shift there or shift walked away. I don't think she's shifts there at this point. I think you're right. Um, Roman and Kendall are checking in with Frank, Carl, Jerry. Kendall points out that Matson is being a fucking asshole, but Carl congratulates them. He says, "You effectively achieved a bump. You did it. You got the bump we wanted."
1: They got forty three more dollars, you know, more dollars per share. Now it's in, it's wrapping an at ATN that wasn't there previously. Shareholders aren't going to care. Shareholders are going to view this as a massive win, even is, at this f- point.
0: I guess the, the the fundamental question that I have to ask is: is the difference in value between Pearson ATN forty three dollars a share, which I I doubt it is. That, that I, sounds like a lot.
1: I also just strongly doubt that ATN uh, is worth what is that one th- one third of the value of the total company. No. A, I would struggle to say that's the case. The we have movie studios and
0: parks, and, they, and then you know previously cruises, knew, cruises, and we knew in episode, or season two, Logan did that deal to buy a bunch of the old old media stuff. So he owns a bunch yeah. of like local TV markets and newspapers and stuff. So it's it's a big empire, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kindle points out that Matson is being an asshole. Frank says they need to take it to the board. Kendall says they need to run it through, run the numbers, make sure it works. Kendall is always pumping the brakes on talking to the board. He does not want to talk to the board right now because that can, if when they take it to the board, he loses power. Yeah. Before they take it to the board, he is basically him and Roman are the deciders uh, on the deal, right? Mm-hmm. Roman wonders aloud. Um, oh, Roman says, Hey, do we need to talk to Shiv?" And, Roman and Kendall uh, and off Roman and Kendall it, go to go find Shiv, who's in the it,
1: woods. It is every time that Rome, it's Roman that suggests, yes. let's go talk to Schiff. Kendall at no point is the one that initiates that kind of bringing her in.
0: Roman wonders aloud if Mattson even wants ATN or if he's just making them subtract so that he can go low.
1: I... I he wanted it originally the day it had to carve it out. I think he also sees it as just being something to poke them with. I, with Matson, I don't know whether there's necessarily a difference. From his perspective, winning is whatever makes him happy.
0: I think what Roman is saying is he's, he's quoting us a number with ATN. Yeah. Because he, his, the theory goes... That we'll have to take ATN out, and then he can subtract a really big number from that and say, well, yeah. if that's the case, yeah, that I can only do 130. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> it, it, it was worth 50 to me, so
0: I'm going to have to knock it even lower. Kendall, who, who actually is breaking through, I think, in a, a really good way here with Roman, says, basically, who cares about the all of that? What do we want? Right. Roman says they want to keep AT, ATN. Add in PGN. Do Logan's deal. So, see, he even, he even references adding in PGN. Mm -hmm. you me, shiv you know the three fucketeers and they greet shiv shiv greets them by saying she's just got a bad rumor in her ears apparently apparently atn has an open line to the republican nominee for president's campaign team and they just dial in (laughs) every morning on the editorial morning conference call look at
1: that i can't find any real world parallels there at all
0: yeah i mean i think that don't have it I mean, I think they're pulling that from real life where they are certain segments of Fox News has actually called in and been part of the strategy team of Republican candidates for president in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and she doesn't like this at all. She says it blows any credibility they have. Now, they, obviously, they're making the real world comparison between ATN and Fox News. I would say Fox News, that might – Shiv might have sailed a long time ago for them, but in this world, I think Shiv is still trying to hold on to any semblance of credibility ATN might have. As long as she plans to own it, as long as she plans to be running this, she
1: can't be associated herself with that kind of thing. She's the only one clearly that cares, though.
0: Do you think that either Roman or Kendall knew that ATN was calling in directly to the campaign and working directly with them in this way?
1: I think Kendall probably did. I don't know if Roman did. I don't think he cares.
0: Yeah. I would guess they both knew, but they didn't care. Um Because Roman immediately points to Sid and goes, well, she's an operational charge. He doesn't want to blame Tom. They they tried that before. They figured out that was not the issue to talk about with her. And she just kind of yells at him. Even dad had a line. Kendall says they will work it out. But right now, they need to focus on the deal. Are they okay if they fold back in, ATN? So Kendall's yeah. actually sort of taking, considering uh, Madsen's deal here. Do we believe Shiv here about her dad? She seems to be trying to say this is
1: something like new that Sid has been doing that wasn't in place previously. Do we think she's right or is she just idolizing her dad here in a little moment?
0: I think all the things are true. I think all the things. Yeah, because I think in that moment he would have told Shiv, of course not. We wouldn't do that. Are you kidding me? And then of course behind the scenes, he did Sid, yeah, do whatever you have to do to get this guy elected. It's much better for my business, but don't tell me about it. Exactly. Yeah. The, 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 the Carrie audition tape. I'm not yeah. involved. I'm not, not involved. Not involved.
1: Mo, what was Mo doing in Cruises? No, no idea about that at all.
0: She just sort of stammers when she hears that Matson is interested in ATN and she just says, sure, fuck it, sell it. It's interesting that, that, that <laughs> you know, the, the writing is great, right? Because she just explained her frustrations with ATN. They're fucking calling in to the cat to a campaign's presidential team. Like, there's no credibility there. It's 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 a it's a it's, shell of a news organization. So she's like, yeah, sure, fucking sell it. I don't care.
1: It's also what we've seen Shiv do four times this season. The moment she sees that there's something a problem, that there's something difficult, there's Let's something go. that she have to commit to, Let's get out, she's already got an exit plan, and she will seize on the exit plan right away.
0: But I do think that she's tipping her hand that she her thinking is more aligned with Madsen than with Kendall and Romans, where she calls it a toxic asset, which I think would be a phrase that Madsen might agree with, and I don't think Kendall and Roman would.
1: I, I I agree that she would see it as a toxic accent. I, I agree that Madsen would say, say it is for different reasons. I think I'm kind of more in the in the camp though of Roman and Kendall in terms of its value. But
0: such we, such we will debate. Roman says his dad's pride and joy, and he died trying to keep it. I he he died of. A pulmonary embolism in his 80s okay let's just fucking let's not make well, him a martyr
1: flying to flying to the norwegian territories
0: for the sake of you know negotiating this tom was right a, thousand, a million things could have happened but that guy that guy was going to die we Very had somebody right in who was really really angry at us and uh said that the the thing they were most angry about First off, they said that, that we, we believe all of our opinions, which I don't know this is a shocker that we would have believed the opinions that we espouse. But sure. the thing that they pointed out that they didn't like is when we said that we thought Logan wouldn't have lived another 20 years. It's I, like, hasn't it the show made it perfect? Like, hasn't the show taken, I would say maybe even more. Season one, episode one. More pains than they had to take to tell us that Logan was in ill health. Like it was constant, right? I mean, that was part of the tension, was that will Logan make it
1: to next Tuesday before this whole succession thing has worked out or not? Yeah. Like, I... we, admittedly, we don't know. And it's in character for Shiv to feel that kind of guilt and emotional feeling that her dad is towering and will live forever. But purely logically, he's a guy in his 80s who's not in great health.
0: Exactly. Like, I, I don't think this whole idea of like, oh, well, if he hadn't gotten on the plane, he'd still be. I I, I think he was old and going to die soon. Well,
1: It's in very much keeping with why Roman would say this, though, because it's part of the grudge he's building up against Madsen that, you know, we're here. Madsen did this. I'm putting this on somebody else as to what happened. They're looking for someone to blame either internally or externally with respect to their father's death because their father was immortal and everything. He could, he could survive everything.
0: Yeah. Roman actually says he died trying to keep it. I don't know, some would say he died because he didn't have compression socks on and he was fishing and I've heard from the Clock Toilet. I don't know. I, I think at this point Carl and Frank quite agree with that summary of what happened. Shiv says, why don't we just keep one of his old sweaters, less racist? I think she makes a good point. I, I, I think she makes a good point. I wish she
1: wasn't quite as dismissive of Roman here, because I think Roman's actually kind of being emotionally honest and vulnerable here. I, maybe Shiv is too, but she's still being a bit of a dick with how, you know, just flippant she is with that line.
0: She is, but I do think we need to like, respect the fact that like she has a real moral problem with atn she does and like yeah she could have been like less of abrupt with roman because roman doesn't you know doesn't open up like this that often but at the same point like she they're talking about the one part of logan's legacy that she probably really doesn't like
1: i I, I like how she kind of phrases that is that yeah he also wanted to poison brezhnev and hang mandela maybe he wasn't always right
0: (laughs) that's a good point Kindle says there is leverage in not looking too thirsty he needs to know that if there's no deal, we're good. We survive. We thrive. Shift questions that. Roman says they've been doing a good job. They've been in the job for one day. 24
1: hours. Is it even been a full 24 hours? Because each of these episodes has been like one day. We saw them in the morning. I think there's they may still be on that day.
0: They're in the job for one day, and they're ready to pat themselves on the back. We're doing a great job.
1: And the main credit they cite is that, you know, the stock, the shareholders like us. Like, you know, look at us. The store price went up. Again, it went up by half of what it lost. And like Shiv points out here, they like that you're selling. They like that you're temporary. You're going to make the deal happen. That's it.
0: It's like every bad stock trader. They're, they, they're giving the advice that like every bad stock trader does, which is like, Hey man, it went up 10% today. Well, it went down 50% last week. Also like context. the 10% that it went back up that Monday is what that is, is people betting, traders betting that the deal is going to go through yep. and that Mattson will overpay for the asset. hundred percent. That's all they're betting. They're not betting on Roman and Kendall. Like that's no, not, they're, they're nobody, tolerating that, that's not long-term invest. investing that we're seeing here. It's it's, it's a, a bet that the payoff as shareholders they're going to get from Mattson is an overpay. The,
1: the biggest problem we always see with these kids is that whenever they get a bottom of success, it gets good to them. And 24 hours being CEO has already gotten good to Kendall and Roman, particularly Kendall.
0: Do you notice that when Shiv says that line about, well, he also wanted to poison Brezhnev and uh, hang Mandela. It doesn't mean he was always right. Roman actually went, hmm. <laughs> like maybe, I don't know, maybe he was right. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, we could debate this. Kendall says they can't navigate by dad maps. This is a, uh, Uncle Lee out there to the kids. I don't feel like this type of conversation is ever healthy about like, okay, this person's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's litigate what they would have done. And again, not mm-hmm. talking about, what to do with their assets, with their family – with with you know, with their estate, or what to do in their funeral. I'm talking about like family decisions or just individual decisions going forward. Prognosticating about what that person would have done, it, like it, it, it you. When I hear this in real life, it's usually tinged with a lot of self interest.
1: That's, that's an excellent point of where you're trying to weaponize you know the legacy of the yes. past, the cult, the whole what the founding fathers would have done in terms well, of governing know, U.S. policy. Well, you know, wanted
0: me to have this house, you know, shit like that. Yeah.
1: That, I would avoid it from that abuse standpoint. I'd also just avoid it from your own personal standpoint of don't let somebody else decide how you're living your life when they're no long since removed from the equation.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point too. Yeah. We're, we're the ones left. Uh, Shiv says, I know he isn't here. I have a giant hole in my heart and a 24 hour migraine. That sounds like somebody who's actually grieving hmm. <laughs> A 24 hour migraine. Kendall says they are just saying they don't know what Logan would do. She, Shiv finally has enough of it. Says, ah, "I don't know, fuck it. Just get it done. Get the fucking deal done. I'm done with this." And yeah, she walks off.
1: You excluded me from this. It's your job now. Land the plane.
0: Cut the team building, archery, and beer drinking and the like. Our fans seem to like to hear your specifically your personal stories. I have a question for you. Please go on. Is there a type of team building that could be done at work that you would approve of? Everything's now on the board. So think about things you really like: land parties, fucking RPGs, video now, games. Anything? I, is there anything that your employer could do as a team building exercise that you would go, "Oh, that's cool"? Again, almost anything. Here's the fun thing with me: almost anything will work.
1: It's how you option it. A, don't make it at work, and don't make it interfering with the workday. Make it. It's make it in some way removed from interfering with my process of actually doing my job you do that i'm already going to be with you make it something that isn't connected to work don't have a mid meaning on the subject of team building or values whatever else you give me the opportunity to just hang out and do a thing with other people odds are i'm gonna like it just the more it is removed from the direct mantle of being a work activity is essential for me enjoying that process
0: i'd like to point out what just happened here i asked spencer Everything's on the board. What could your company do I to give said you a shit? And you say, basically just said, I just want a day off. Like you said, Done. Make it, not you at make work it and not connected to work in any possible way. Wait a second. That's not team building. You just want a day off.
1: I, I, I left out a key feature. Could none of my coworkers be there? Can we make that happen too?
0: <laughs> yeah. That like So, so I think what Spencer say is like, he's always going to want to do work more than whatever this oh. thing is.
1: Well, I'm an attorney. I'm judged based on billable hours. If you're not letting me work now, I'm going to have to work later.
0: What if I don't know? What if they figured all that out? If they said, "Okay, this counts as your billable hours," companies kicking in, something like that. So you don't have to do make up the hours later. Let's just pretend there's a world where that happens. Mm-hmm. Is there something now? It's being done in the workday. Mm-hmm. It's being done in the office and it's being in done. The they, these are, these are parameters you can't just dismiss. It's in the office, in the workday with your coworkers. Is there some activity you could do you think you'd enjoy?
1: In the office, during the workday, not, no billable hour concerns whatsoever else. Let's watch a movie together. Let's watch, let's watch Let's make, let's make a whole mess of popcorn, have a whole mess of snacks, put on the big screen and all watch a movie together. That sounds like a fun thing to do.
0: Man after my own heart. Love a communal movie experience as absolutely. discussed earlier in the podcast. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, yeah, I would totally do this. I, I, there's a lot of things I would like. Archery and beer drinking out in the fucking fjords or whatever the fuck this is. Like I, I no, I'm good with any, I, I don't like any of this.
1: I'm down. I am down. Again, absolutely not, not interfering with the workday, whatever else, getting us there. Ar- Archery's a blast. I've always enjoyed it. Throwing in some beer. All the great. Axe throwing, I'm not as in for. I also see appears to be occurring in the background. Yeah,
0: these are all negatives to me, but there's a lot of stuff I would enjoy. Tom is talking to Greg. He says, we need to play this very delicately, laid before you as a chessboard. So every move is crucial. So what have you got? Greg, oh boy. Oh boy, does Greg have something. Greg has some things. Madsen, here's how I envision he got this. He went around to the other minions and just talked to them.
1: Yeah. Again, not an immediate stress. Just let him – What? this is a weird statement, but Greg is kind of like a great personal assistant from what we've seen. He seems like yes. he falls into that role kind of well, so long as he, you aren't directly stressing him out with something foreign and outside of his control. If you just let him go, he does a pretty good job.
0: He's a great personal assistant. The trouble is he's been latched on to somebody who probably isn't worthy of a personal assistant. Mm-hmm. Like in Tom – so Tom always gives him these sort of like – Sort of bunk things to do, like what he's doing right now, or
1: things that are plainly outside of his wheelhouse.
0: Like so, what? Yeah, so what? Greg has has figured out is when Matson's fucking random people. I guess he, I guess he gets on the apps. He does so with noise canceling headphones while listening to a podcast. I would like to say, if Matson is listening to the Mangum Talks podcast network during this, (laughs) we (laughs) we appreciate you as a listener, Um, loyal fan. We appreciate that you you particularly like enjoy engaging in this act, listening to Spencer. Thank you for that.
1: I, while in mid-thrust, you know, appreciate that kind of dedication. Isn't this a rumor about Leonardo DiCaprio? I think I've heard this before about him.
0: Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I feel like DiCaprio and Jeter all have, like, these strange, like, because I always heard it, Like, I heard through Jeter that, like, he'll give, like, his signed autograph to Randos the next morning, <laughs> which is sort of I, a strange things Like, ooh. have sex with somebody, and then, like, I, I, I've signed a piece of paper for you. Here you go. Bye. It's kind of a strange thing. That's
1: some quality um, ego right there.
0: Tom says he doesn't know how he can use that to his advantage. Tom then asked about the cage fighting. Greg says some say Eba, some say Oscar, and to in terms of who's keeping the kill list. Mm. So I guess Eba and or Oscar are the ones that are making the decisions on
1: the kill list. And purely from just like a production standpoint, look at that. The two that we've met and know the names of.
0: Yeah. Tom says, oh, so there's a kill list. Greg says, yep, sure is, absolutely, absolutely, I'm sure of it. He has it on good authority. There is, in fact, a kill list. Like eight, nine names, it's evolving.
1: Hey, this is actually a real big get on Greg's part. Of we, course you know, it is. We give a lot of credit later than finding out on the plane about the kill list and who's on it. Greg's already starting to get info on the subject.
0: Tom says he's going on. He's going to go over there and talk to Madsen and his crew. Tom tells Greg to keep his eyes open. If I need a pawn sacrifice, I'll give you the eyes, okay? So he does give him the eyes later. Greg's a little late on the take, but he gets there eventually. Tom walks over. comes up to the table with Madsen and Lucas, walks past, gets a beer. Notice how Tom asks the bartender if he can have a beer. Now, this is not the bartender needs to make him a beer. There's 10 beers sitting out. Mm-hmm. Tom asks if he can grab one. My question for you, is there anybody else in the at posse, except for maybe Greg, who would have asked if they could have that beer other than Tom?
1: no that's a good call i hadn't really thought about that that's a bit of a statement on background and where they're coming from isn't it
0: it's wonderful it's a wonderful touch with the characters that he would he would ask oh can i have this where like you know you get somebody like carl would have just snatched it up
1: not feeling the same level of entitlement
0: yeah but uh, greg then comes up to the three kids um and asks what the counter is which completely confuses shiv greg says just saying like in case you guys want to like you know sling some ideas around with old greggy sling some ideas around within the safety of the quad, the quad squad. The quad squad. He's trying to make that thing. Quad or,
1: squad. Which, which do you prefer, quad, quad squad or Roy Patrol? That's the two we get from Greg here. Uh Diamond Dogs? No, wrong show.
0: Oh shit! Uh, Trademark. Quad, quad squad. I like the. I like the. I like. It rolls off the tongue. That's quad squad. Good. Okay. He says the old team, and then he does the family. He does a little Italian uh, accent. Godfather again. <laughs> Shiv just says, the fuck?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like she literally says, subtitles set out, the fuck?
0: Yeah, she just looks at him and goes, the fuck? (laughs) Shiv Uh, tells uh, Greg, maybe you can get me a coffee or something? That is your relative role in my mind. Tom sits down at the table with Lucas, asks Lucas if he can perch, just perch, watch. Tom then brings up that they laughed. At Sun Valley, they were mocking Sunday's uh, cargo shorts, the creases. And Lucas doesn't remember anything talking about. Yeah, 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 He says, okay, okay. Lucas says, we were discussing France, if it's going to make it. I thought they were talking about, will France make the World Cup? No, no, no. Like, as a nation. Youth unemployment. Sclerotic state. uh, Fucking angry Arabs. Or will it make it, or will they pull a Greece?
1: Greece did make it. Let's just offer that for example here. But sure, yeah, I, I get the reference.
0: This is the sort of like sky is falling liberal talk that you get in some circles where like people like will sit down and be like, well, is the United States going to collapse tomorrow because the news scared me today? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, probably not. Like in the same thing with France, like I'm, I'm fairly certain France will still be a country what? in the next couple months, but whatever. They're talking in the abstract, I guess.
1: And the purpose of this conversation is to try to make Tom look like an idiot. They're, assume, they're assuming that he has nothing to offer here, that they're going to make him look like the ignorant American
0: and what's so wonderful about tom is he leans into it in such a way as to actually give i think a bit of intel about how what waystar and americans think like it it's not he, he it sounds a little silly but i actually think he conveys important information here which is that the us doesn't give a fuck and really like and, and not the not the government and not uh, most from a media not emotional edu- standpoint yeah and if you care by the way great but like what he's saying is that the, the vast majority of the us citizenry is very insular and doesn't give a fuck about the rest of the world and that's kind of I'm, true i'm with you tom could have fumbled his way through a
1: response like a greg kind of way of answering the question his response is so much more effective and really I think he's hurt by Greg showing up. He'd silenced the room with that
0: response because no one can assail what he said. Like, you, do you have it written down? What, 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 what? Yeah. I think uh what you need to know from a U.S. perspective is uh we don't really uh, <laughs> give a fuck. See, U.S. is late imperial, and we don't know because we don't really want to know. We have our own Paris, and when it burns, we'll build another.
1: I think that's a really great answer to that question. It basically just treats it. It, it treats in the exact way he treated you, utterly dismissively. It's like, you're asking me that? That doesn't even matter to me. Why are you even asking me that question?
0: I honestly think Matson thinks he learned more about Americans from time in that conversation than maybe anything else happened in the weekend. I think I think the room respected
1: him for it. Like he played into the dumb American, but he made it his own in a way that they almost have to admire him for his response.
0: Because like Europeans having a such a integrated shared history, having shared borders, being on the same continent in large parts having the same government structure or quasi-governmental structure or economy, the concept that you wouldn't give a fuck what like another country in Europe is doing might be alien to some of them. Mm-hmm. But like, it's not particularly alien to an American that you wouldn't you, give a fuck about the rest of the world. You
1: ask the average American whether they give a fuck about the ca- California, most of them are going to tell you no. Yeah, that's a
0: great point. They don't give a fuck about the rest of the fucking states, much less other parts <laughs> of the world. <laughs> in comes Greg. Now, Greg... Spencer.
1: Red in
0: a in a little magazine called The Economist.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well I've heard of it before. Have you, have you, oh,
0: the Economist see you play, tell us more. Greg kinda of dismisses Tom and says, In terms of education, quality of life, uh old lady France, uh, don't fucking bet against the, the baguette. He really fumbles the landing. He tries cars. he tries nice to go for a joke about baguettes and bagels and it. It just all gets lost.
1: I, I do believe he read the article. I'm willing to believe that, but it's Greg just getting in his own way. This is outside his wheelhouse. Let him work behind the scenes. He's good at it.
0: Madsen then asked ask who Greg is. I don't remember you from the list. Well, therein lies the tale. Greg Hirsch. Ori. Gregory Hirsch. I, I
1: like a lot that Kendall walks up and backs up Greg here. That you know, Kendall's the he one does. that comes forward and says, "Tom, to a certain degree too." That no, this is Logan's nephew. He's with us. What you trying to do here?
0: Yeah, he he's says, a Roy. He's my. He says, "Are you serious?" There's more of them, and that gets a chuckle from the crowd. Again, Matson asked all those people to come. Yes, the reason they rolled deep is because Matson specifically requested it. It's his fault, and now he's making fun of them for it. He says, this is one big uh, insular. Oh, no, no, no. Madsen slips into Swedish. All of his folks are laughing. Oscar asks uh, Tom if he agrees. And Tom blindly says, yeah, I do. And laughs along. I I looked
1: it up. Uh, he says something along the lines of, "What? look at this weird incestuous thing we've stumbled into. And then I think it's Oscar refers to Greg as being this six foot nine inbred Habsburg uh, fuck, like a, a walking testament to um, nepotism or something along those lines.
0: Okay, I don't, on the surface, disagree with anything that was said. It's
1: all accurate. It's being a dick and playing off the language thing, and I like that Kendall calls them out on it here.
0: <laughs> yeah, he does. He says maybe it's funnier with subtitles. Um Madison gives a token apology. Kendall says he's seen enough of this shit. Roman gets interested in that. Roman, again, has a really good, I think, meter for Kendall, and he hears... Kendall says, "I've seen enough of this shit." He goes, "Uh oh, like we got we got a little bit of a problem here." Kendall on tilt. Matson knows it too and decides to push Kendall further. Says, "We're just passing time to come up with a counter." Roman's eyebrows arch. Kendall says, "You want to do this here? Let's do it." Everybody scurries. Everybody Mm -hmm. moves. The room clears. This is uh, table clears. Beat it, just beat it, and they got the (laughs) the one hands wrapped against each other, and they're going to knife fight. Like that's what's going on here.
1: I'm, I'm in for it. I think that would have been much more effective negotiation if they'd gone that route.
0: Kendall says, I don't want to preempt the board, but it's not necessarily compelling. We're running the numbers, but we do want to explore the options for us keeping ATN. Mattson says, okay, bad. Roman asks for dad's deal. No ATN. This is when they get into a conversation that I think you and I will will have a, a great spirited discussion on. Matson tells them, you don't want ATN. Roman goes, yeah, but yeah, we kind of do. He says, no, you don't. I've been talking to Oscar and we see a way back. Kendall says, oh, wow. You you see a way back for a phenomenally influential and lucrative news operation. You're going to save that? Mm -hmm. And so the argument fundamentally here, I can go into all of the the dialogue, but fundamentally the argument here is Madsen is saying, you have something that's lucrative right this second, but
1: Mm -hmm. it's going to
0: fall off a cliff because basically the business model is it just makes old people super interested, scared and angry. And so they watch, but all these people are going to die off and the younger generation doesn't want to watch this shit. So it's eventually going to basically fall apart. And I've got a way to pull that back to save it long-term. Whereas Kendall is saying, I don't think you understand the business model. Like it's, always going to scare old people when the old other old people die more people will get older old people fill the gaps yeah it's just it's just an old people old people feeder system <laughs> that's what we have here. We're just more yep. old people are going to cycle through and we're going to scare the shit out of them and they're going to tell their grandkids that the whole world is collapsing right before they die and then the whole new crop is going to come on a whole new bus and we'll scare them too i think that's what he's saying what do you think
1: Hundred percent. That's exactly what they're doing, and I think I think Kendall's in many ways right that Matson doesn't seem to be understanding what the long term value of that is, but also just what the power of that is. Matson's like, you know, we can make this more efficient, we can streamline this. Bloomberg is the way he describes it, which doesn't, you know, it basically. Sorry, you are going to say something.
0: Go on. It's just not an accident that he said Bloomberg because what what's happening with Matson? He's he's, I think at least the character he's playing is allowing his politics to get in the way of the evaluation. Mm-hmm. And because he immediately says Bloomberg, like, well, well Bloomberg's a Democratic operative. Like, he, he immediately jumps to turning it basically blue. And it's like, you, you can't let your politics get in the way of understanding that this is a really compelling business model that millions and millions of people love. And let's focus as well.
1: Why did Logan want to keep this? Not for the money. It's sure, it's really profitable. They've got billions in extra reserve, which is great for being able to afford settlements. Look at that. Um
0: But the <laughs> issue the issue that uh, for why will logan want lots of compression uh, socks he could have afforded
1: i mean, if only he would wear them uh is that it's power it's influence it's directly controlling the narrative and the election and countless other means means and threads and tendrils out there throughout the entirety of the united states political system it is unadulterated access to control lucas mentions nothing on that shit cuz i don't think he gets it I don't, I don't, from his perspective, he just sees a, a, a legacy media outlet that primarily is catering to an aging demographic, and so he wants to streamline it, make it more hip, make it more new, and is leaving out entirely what the basis of the power of this thing is, far beyond its economic potential. It's for its ability to cross-cut at every different channel and level of power.
0: I could. Uh, it's it's boring when we just agree, but I completely agree. I think that like. Like Fox News, not like Fox News. I think everyone would agree that Fox News has absolutely swung elections in the past. Has it swung sure. a presidential election? I don't know. You can debate that, but it has swung elections because it has swung hearts and minds. People have watched Fox News and changed their politics. I have people in my family who have watched Fox News and changed their politics. I think it's very effective time, in that they are really compelling in what they do. And they, and you're right. It's not. It yes, some of their de- their demographic will die, but then. The, other people will get will get old and and we'll just scare them about the kids these days and and then they'll keep watching and it'll just keep going and going. Now I think the thing that would that is actually kind of scary about this model is is this is the streaming is the the lack of cable. Like how are you going to get access to these people's homes? They'll have to figure that out. But the content model itself seems smart. And I think you're right that Matson's idea to basically simple, cheap, huge IKEA to fuck. You know, Kendall says, I got to say, I don't think you understand what you're buying. And I think he's right. I don't think he does. I, I mean,
1: agree. it's also the, the, the inherent falseness of this narrative, too, is that Matson is treating ATN as if it can never change, evolve, or modify as time goes on. Being in that position that it is with lots of money and lots of influence, lots of power gives you a lot of discretion to be able to do that. And we heard Logan had plans with respect to doing that. He wasn't planning on remaining static. He wasn't planning on this product just... uh being time immemorial and not adjusting to some way to the, to the winds of fate. So I don't see anything Matson saying is reassuring me that he understands at all what he's now looking to spend.
0: Matson then tries to hit Kendall. He's, he's got the dossier on Kendall. He says, Oh sure. Lecture me Volter guy. Kendall does keep his cool here to that. I think he just goes, Hey, it's like a big swing. Anyway, if you look at experience, you look at the high ceiling on Parks Cruises IP Turboed Residential uh, from a try. I don't know what that means IP Residential. What?
1: What was that? IP what, what, what do you even theorize IP that is? IP Turboed
0: Residential.
1: It, it, is that some kind
0: of high speed internet? What? Is, what is he talking about? I think so. IP Turboed Residential. That's what it would have to be, from a trusted brand. He laughs and says, "Do you call it a trusted brand?" Now this is a different argument, right? If the, if the brand of Waystar Royco is a good brand is very different than if ATN is a... Worth it. A sustainable business model. Which I think ATN, Fox News, I think that it probably is a sustainable business model unless the education system in this country like completely vaults and people don't want these types of like opinion news shows anymore. As long as people want them, I think Fox News probably will do okay. Ipso facto ATN will do okay. I think he might have a point that Waystar Royco itself probably doesn't have a great brand with all of the shit that Logan Roy, all that comes along with him and all that comes along with his children. What do you think?
1: I think that one's at least more debatable. I think he could make a compelling argument about that, about look at all the scandals, look at all the difficulties, look at all the losing areas of your industry. You've got great parts. I can can work them well. But clearly there's been some problems with respect to leadership and management for a while that's been interfering with things. And the brand is sullied in that way. I think he, we can disagree with him, but I think he at least has more of a foundation for making that argument.
0: I have a question for you. There's a point in this conversation where he says... Uh, Kendall says, I got to say, just fundamentally, I think you're wrong. And Mattson says, yeah, well, I don't care what you think. You're a tribute band. My question to you is, um, do you think Mattson really lost his cool there? Or do you think that was intentional? I think
1: Mattson's losing his cool. I mean, I, th- I, I think it is effective, too, in terms of undermining. But Mattson, throughout this conversation, seems to be getting more and more angry at them, not just even just put on. I think he is actually getting frustrated with them with respect to these negotiations. I think it reaches a fever pitch in their next meeting on top of the mountain.
0: So I got a lot of people who are really smart in my life, but really, I have really smart friends, hmm. friends who are smarter than me.
1: I'd love you introduce me to them at some point. You're one of them. Oh, and
0: I can tell you this about smart people. They don't like to be challenged when you have a point. Yes. He, Matson's clearly very smart, and I think he thinks Kendall has a little bit of a point here, and I think that's why he kind of lost his cool with him. Mm-hmm. And Shiva actually has to jump in and go, uh you "We okay? good?" Basically, like, "We good?" And Lucas like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah we're good." And then he kind of backs off a little bit. But yeah, that's why I wanted to bring that up because I actually think most of what Matson has done up to this point is intentional. I think this line, I don't care what you think, you're a tribute band is overly personal, and I think he just lost his cool.
1: It, most of his attacks previously have been. Point have been pointed, but they've been light. They've been with a joke. They've been, or at least some element of subtle. This one's just, I'm insulting you right to your face kind of thing. And he does that again later, and it's also at a moment when he seems like he's a bit on tilt, so I'm with you. Though this plays into the element of attack that he's been wanting to hit with the kids the entire time, this one seems like it's less controlled.
0: Yeah, so he says, I'm trying to make you rich. Kendall says, already rich. And he says, well, the, the offer, I am what I am what I am. Roman says, okay, Papa, we'll check in. We'll, we'll check on this later. Uh Lucas gives a really token. Let's make it work at the end. It, this didn't go well. Off go Kendall and Roman. In comes Oscar, who is excited about sauna, sauna, sauna. <laughs> I mean, do you like a sauna? I actually do I mean, don't. live in one.
1: I, I, I've been in them many times before. I don't really like them. I don't get the appeal. I don't particularly like yeah. to feel like I'm being actively turned into a prune.
0: Well, most people who live like... You know, on ski mountains don't like ice baths, right? Like, I mean, you live in the fucking heat. I right? live you in probably, soup. This is true. Yeah, yeah. you probably, it probably doesn't seem like a fun idea. Um, the guys are struggling, but, uh, Frank and Carl are not a part of it at all. Uh, they are <laughs> sitting outside the sauna. <laughs> Poor Really, sh- really great line by Carl when he says they look like peking duck hanging in the window, which is funny.
1: I, I wanted the two, I wanted the two of them to clink glasses. Just the best of buddies. <laughs> so much more experienced
0: in this than everyone else. <laughs> There were so many memes of those two in their robes, like yeah. right away on Twitter. That 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 hit like fast. That I, was like the first meme to come out of this episode. Post
1: season, I want to see the two of them on Carl's Greek Island, just enjoying the sun.
0: Cut to upbeat music playing. Lucas walks up to Eba and Shiv. Lucas describes Eba as in "buckle up." Yeah. HR department. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Estrogen air freshener. We keep around. To try to keep us, uh, smelling clean. Jesus Christ. And it only gets worse from here. Eva <laughs> says, I keep notes. She also probably keeps a deep freezer, maybe. <laughs> when I walk, it either goes in my book or they pay me off. Lucas says, you'll never walk. You fucking love it. Now that's, this is a, this is, I've seen this move. It's an elite tier douche move to do with women. And I've seen many guys do this where they go, they start telling the woman, mm-hmm. "You fucking love it. You love this abuse I'm giving you. Like, I'm doing this because you want me to." What, what? What's kind of why I kept bringing up before, like how I think they were they were establishing that Matson's just sort of an odd duck, is because like this is what you would expect, like from some schmuck in like a sports bar, like you fucking <laughs> uh, love it, like the, the, ma- the manager not... over a waitress employee. <laughs> Yeah, this is really sort of pathetic dialogue here from Mattson, and it just makes me think this guy's just, like, awkward.
1: He's either he, awkward, asshole, why not both? We've got evidence for both.
0: So Lucas asked Shiv how bad this whole thing was. Well, Eva walks off by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, how bad was this whole thing? She says the majestic stags sparring with their memory foam hard-ons. It was a breathtaking spectacle. Where'd she come up with that? She line? can turn a phrase. <laughs> the majestic stags sparring with their memory foam hard-ons. Wow. Well said. Uh Lucas seems to like that. He says, I like to fuck around, I do, but I like to fuck around like psycho, uh like basically mushrooms mm-hmm. at breakfast. Um when it comes to money, just fucking say the number, which is like you know, you kind of want to be like, well, you know, if that's your take, I got some bad news for you about how business works. Like, you're 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 in for a bad time as a CEO of a big major company if you want every deal to work at with. Just say the number.
1: He's, he's, I also think he's he's being he is actively lying and being full of shit here. He's presenting a side of himself to Shiv partly because he's flirting and t- attracted to her. He is flirting. He is attracted to her. Uh, but we see evidence that this isn't true. He's looking to win. We particularly see at
0: the end of the episode that the actual number incidental, he just wants to feel like he won. Shift says, what am I? The messenger girl? He says, is it there? The fucking deal? She says, yeah, potentially it's potentially there. Um, when she says, yeah, potentially it's potentially there. There's a smile and she lingers. Spencer, what did you think she was talking about when she said that last line? It's potentially there.
1: I think she was keeping that purposely ambiguous. Hey, I mean, from. Up front, she's she's giving him hope about the deal, and also saying that she can be a means of making that happen. That also seemed like that was a certain element of flirty, suggestive too.
0: I think she was giving him. I think I think she's. I think she again. I've been. I was thoroughly impressed with she this episode. I think she was giving him. I think she was giving him just enough to keep him talking.
1: Yes. So cut to Greg
0: dancing. Eba is near him, and he's doing the. You know, Greg is doing the finger to the ear dance move as if like he is the dj himself
1: yes he is and doing he's got to put
0: the headphones in the, crowd. Put the headphones closer to his ear that is what he is doing <laughs> yes how did this actor come up with that that is the that i could you could, oh my gosh Art. the level Art. of fucking corny that is i don't know how he came up with it it's amazing the finger to the ear like i'm a fake dj in the crowd
1: you 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 can't fake that. that. That that is just a level of just understanding of awkwardness that I I can't even aspire to. I'm a very awkward
0: person. I wouldn't think to reproduce that. That was that was just such a perfect moment on screen. Now, did you notice who he was dancing with? Who was he dancing with? Eva. Was... Oh, that's right. And right. she was enjoying herself dancing with Greg. And it makes me think that the, the the little the little information loop that Tom's got might actually mine some real important information here. Because if she starts talking to Greg, holy smokes! What can he find out? Cuts Kendall and Roman. Kendall asks Roman how it feels to him. Not great. I guess that's the right thing, huh? Or I guess it's the thing, right? <clears throat> Have we won or lost? Kind of hard to tell.
1: Hey, a, 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 a complex negotiation is usually deemed its most effective when everyone feels like everyone's leaves kind of pissed off but getting something that they wanted. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's interesting. That's a good way to think. I kind of thought of it like almost how retirement has to feel for a lot of people. It's like, well. Bittersweet by its nature. Am I quitting or did I achieve the ultimate goal? It's hard to kind of square that mentally. Kendall says, because I think I'd like to tank the deal. Oh, oh, Spencer, I'm so shocked. I can't believe he would suggest such a
1: thing. Okay, again, I've been calling, I've been saying this about Kendall from episode one because I just assume Kendall does this. Kindle finds a way to just burn down the house and call it a victory. That is what Kindle do.
0: Yeah. He says, Roman says, that's quite the high risk piece of fucking sword swallowing. Kindle says, I like running the ship. We're good at it. We've been, I mean, we've been doing it for like close to 20 All hours day. and he asks Roman if he likes
1: Key it. The aspect of the universe was made in this time period.
0: Roman points out that everyone wants the deal. It's dad's deal. Kindle says, He's a bad fit. You know it. He doesn't get the company, and I think he's going to fuck it. We've seen him up close, and he's a card trick, and he's going to destroy everything bad dad built. Last bit was overly dramatic, but the idea that 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 Madsen might be a one-trick pony, huh? I'm not sure I disagree with that quite
1: yet. I, I don't think I disagree with it, but it feels like, again, this is tar- – maybe he actually feels this, but I think in particular he's targeting this at what would trigger Roman. So he's hitting the language of what dad built—the house that dad built—will be burned down by this bastard coming in. That is something that's going to get Roman's hackles up quick.
0: Yeah. Roman says, "Should we talk to Shivy about it?" Kendall says, "Yeah, I just think Piki dance." What
1: is? What does he mean by that? I was kind of curious of what your what your interpretation of that line is because clearly he's he's talking about Shiv and he's talking about her abilities, but what what's he going for there?
0: So what they're establishing is that they. They have to make this look like it's Matson's fault mm-hmm. because everybody wants the deal. That's what they just established. And they're saying if we read Shiv into this plan, can she put on the effective poker face and pretend like she still wants the deal while pushing Matson away from it? I him? think she could do and that a Roman, lot better than they can. <laughs> and Roman thinks that she can't. And Kendall obviously thinks that she can't. That's why they don't read her. Either.
1: I think they're both bu- – Many ways they're being idiots this episode, but particularly on this. Shiv
0: successfully does subtle a lot better than they could ever pull off. I think if they were being honest, what their concern is that Shiv might not want to take the deal in the first place. The, not that she can't execute a strategy to get Mattson to walk away. It's that she might not agree with this overall approach, that, which she probably doesn't. That she might go to the Greys
1: and, uh, you know, recruit them, warn them about what the hell the CEO bros are about to do.
0: <laughs> so the two of them agree, yes, we're going to do it. We are going to fuck the deal. You're you're more experienced in the business
1: world than I am, and I'm curious your thoughts. Is there any world under which the shareholders would allow them to maintain their position if they come back with the deal not going forward?
0: I think it's a tightrope walk on a straight razor, or straight razor.
1: What what a poet you are, Sarah, with these kind of lines.
0: I mean, I think that there is, a pro, there is probably a universe where – they paint matson like some sort of like elon musk-esque unhinged guy who made an offer that he didn't really believe in and it never made sense when they got into the details and that they actually showed courage by rejecting the deal or pushing matson away cuz matson was so erratic and crazy and then maybe they keep the yeah i mean maybe there is a world but again that's a that's a really particular line they're having to walk and they have to do with a lot of manipulation and especially a matson who they have no indication that they can manipulate Madsen. They have no evidence that they can do this. But they're they're thinking they're going to be able to manipulate him into walking away from a deal that I think we've gotten a lot of evidence that he has pressure to complete. Yeah,
1: and it's interesting too because I don't think Roman thinks this is a good idea. I think he's getting kind of persuaded by because he's as has been called out several times. He's not big on confrontation, and right now Kendall's being a con- bit, con- bit confrontive, and Roman rolls over like a wet blanket as he always does in these kind of moments. But he calls out Kendall a little bit when he notes, like you said, that Kendall says, you know, it's like a tight, a tightrope walk over a straight razor. Roman says, why are you smiling when you say that?
0: What, uh, professor? Please, yeah, in yeah, the front row, Blake. He says, who likes a tightrope walk on a straight razor? Uh, addicts? Yeah. Addicts really do like that. That's how they, that's what they, Jones for is what they get off on. That's it's his addict behavior coming out. Yeah. He likes he likes this. This is like he's getting jazzed by this, right? Um, I I think I would not give Roman quite as much credit for not liking this strategy as you would. I think that his approach is. Madsen has, effect already gotten to him personally. Yes, and he wants to do any and everything to say fuck you to Madsen. Now I'm with you there. I'm with you there. So I think, I think he's actually in on this strategy, but they're in it for different reasons, right? Kendall wants to be the emperor of this domain for the next 15 Forever. years. Forever. And, and Roman just wants to tell Matson to fuck himself. Cuts to Madsen and he's now pulled Shiv into a separate room. <whistles> Matson says he hard, finds it hard to see the angle on people. You know, it's gonna, get, it's gonna come as a shock to you, Spencer. Madsen doesn't, he talks about himself a lot in these conversations. He does,
1: and I gotta, I, I'm curious to your thoughts on this of where Matson, one could read as being maybe a little bit too honest and open with Shiv in this. Or he's being manipulative. If you were to balance this out, what what percentages would you assign each way? Notably that he is taking a significant amount of cocaine, probably over the course of this evening in conversation.
0: You know who's not taking any? It's fucking Shiv. 70, Shiv's playing with it. Not, Seventy not to thirty. Seventy to thirty. I think he, he I think he was trying to. I think it was a strategy to get her in there and to show a little bit of um, vulnerability,
1: openness.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I think he's showing more maybe than he planned because he's probably drunk and high and tired. He's been doing this all day.
1: It's it's a fun mix. I'm with you. he, He brought her in this room to manipulate her. I don't think he's as in control as he would hope to be. And I think that factors in A, he's high, tired, frustrated. I think he also is attracted to her, but also maybe just doesn't view her as a threat or respect her. And so he's feeling like he can be, you know, not treat her as seriously. Some yeah. element, maybe all those mixed together.
0: She says, "If you put a, a meaningful bump on top, you probably can get this to, over the finish line." And he makes the joke, which is a funny joke, but but is really overly. True. Di- it's true, but it's also overly dismissive of her point, which is saying, "So if I keep offering more and more money, eventually I'll get it." Thanks, Top line. I think what she's saying is you don't have to. You don't have to keep offering more and more money. There's just a. Discreet, small, a little bit more you have to do. And then you get, you know, it's a little more nuanced than that.
1: I think she's also kind of advising him to just go past the brothers. It's like, you make the offer, the board finds out about it. This is going to happen because that's just how that go.
0: It's a good point that maybe she, maybe she's starting that line of logic already. Madsen asked Shiv what she thinks of Iba. Iba is not good. She won't let me in. What's your Carolina like? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is is he basically? Pardon this phrase. Is he inviting Shiv to pimp out Carolina here?
0: I can't tell what he means. He says she won't let me in, and later on, it kind of seems like he's he'd been trying to sleep with her for a long time. I think um, he was at one time. Uh, anyway, that's what Carolina's like. Shiv, I think very honestly, just says, sure, yeah, "Yeah, she's good. Carolina's really good." Yeah. Um, Lucas, who is doing coke, offers it to Shiv. Shiv, who is holding a drink but not drinking it, takes the vial of cocaine and plays with it like like a kid at a dinner table who's got like broccoli on his plate. And it's like, you have to finish the broccoli and you start moving the broccoli around. Just start. If I can get two broccoli stems over near the mashed potatoes and one near the, the pot roast, it'll look like I've eaten some broccoli. That's what and, she's doing.
1: And is this okay? Let's well, do percentages. What percentage is this? A, I don't want to be high in front of this guy. And B, I'm pregnant.
0: hundred percent pregnant to zero percent. I don't want to be high in front of this guy. I think she would get, right. I think if under normal circumstances, I, I think she would have gotten fucked up with him. I think she's been before.
1: We've heard, but we've heard that she's. You know, this is this is not foreign territory for her.
0: No, I don't think she has a problem with that. I think, I think, I think the emphasis. That why they're like showing the drink and then showing her playing with it, not to, like I think they're just making a point that she's. It's as no, basic as she's pregnant.
1: Does she drink? I mean, it's it. it, it she, she makes gestures like she's sipping, but I don't see her actually like drinking anything.
0: She never takes a sip, and she never takes a bump of cocaine. It was artfully done because she, I, if you did uh, first time she, I watched she it making a little gesture the first time I watched it, I was convinced she at least drank and then I went back and i I, I noticed no she actually had, didn't even drink um,
1: expertly done on her part
0: yeah, it was skillful and then he says what's what's going on with your husband's situation now wonderful answer to make to 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 share what basically so she's getting a divorce, right mm-hmm. or at least that's what's been publicly said. She reveals really no more than I'm getting a divorce. But but it makes it she makes it seem like she's really sharing her heart to this guy, but she doesn't really give up anything.
1: See, he asks her a personal question, which you know is almost like a test on his part. And like you said, she her almost provides like a non-answer. She provides the most basic information you could say about you're getting a divorce is that, yeah, it sucks. Disaster, whatever. But he
0: thinks, man, she's really letting me in. She's bared her soul. I have to do the same. He says, I'm not going to give you the whole backstory, but I was seeing this girl. And after we broke up, because of some things that we said when we were nice and intense mm-hmm. and a sort of nasty, friendly joke about what I shouldn't do. What? Try to get that one through the fucking ringer. What does that mean? I, I nasty, know. friendly joke about what I shouldn't do?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that is, those are the literal words he says. Just keep going
0: because there's no sense here. <laughs> I sent her some of my blood, half a liter, frozen blood brick. Shift says, wow, wow, okay, half a liter? Well, I mean, obviously, first of all, good one. (laughs) This this whole conversation here,
1: we had to pause because we just started laughing. My girlfriend and I just started laughing our asses off, just solid for like three minutes, like hurting in pain. Like,. Dear God, what? And then that response.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, first of all, good one. <laughs> yeah. Just,
1: kudos. But that got her, didn't you?
0: And he just goes, yeah. And she she got a bit weirder when I did that. And I just oh. kept doing that. And it became not a joke. Then a joke again. And now apparently it's not a joke again. <laughs>
1: like, it, it, I love the apparent light. It's like, you know, he's caught off guard that it's not funny anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this even requires an uncle lead to the kids. I think it's just you know we all we all know we all know not to send our blood to somebody else, right? We all know that.
1: Uh, I mean, you're just spoiling me for relationship advice. The episode I felt necessary to remind people that a don't freeze it. You're ruining the blood. Just leave, leave that. We blood all know not there. to do that,
0: right? Just don't send your blood to somebody who doesn't want it.
1: Or if you're gonna easy enough, it, if you're going to do it, you know, send it on, send it cool, but not frozen. It breaks the blood cells when the water freezes, and it's not useful to anybody.
0: And now Shiv, who's now got him, he now thinks that she's locked in with him, right? Oh, she yeah. goes, "Who is it?" And he goes, "Eva." Which, oh, oh shocked! Like, oh, it, I'm caught off guard. I'm RC. just as shocked by this as I am that Kendall wants to foul the whole deal and run Waystar uh, for the uh, rest uh, of his life. Like, of I'm, course, yeah, it's Eva. Point, and he says, "Actually, it's Eva." Actually, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a complex situation. Uh, I'll just deny it. I'll call sh- bullshit. I'll lawyer it out. Well, deniability is difficult given she has so much of your blood. <laughs>
1: Again, we started laughing our asses off that Shiv has some of the best fucking lines of this the season in this
0: conversation. I mean, that when I started like trying to explain like how I think Shiv was a like, master this episode, one of the things that I immediately pointed to is like how quick-witted she was all episode. Like she was like, I mean, everybody in this universe talks unnaturally smart and fast it, and witty nature of the show, but she's like on another, le- like she's on another level to the point that she's like, I think putting people on the defensive. She's so fucking fast. She says, man, you're head of comms. I don't know who you got advising you on this, but whoever it is, you got a 10 exit. Cause people, you know, people you don't know it, it, if this acquisition goes through us media are going to be all over you. So if you're this creepy stalker guy who sits in the dark writing code, dripping into an IV bag and harassing direct reports, it's going to have an economic impact. It, it, this is interesting because he just goes, "It's bad." <laughs> he's so walked yeah, into mean, in what she's saying.
1: I saw some people online saying that this is he's, he's in some way setting up a trap for Shiv that he's feeding her false information and that she's going to try to weaponize it and it's not going to work. I don't think it's that. I think this is actually true and horrifying, and I think that I think Shiv's right that this is. This is something further that could be used against him, not only like it just to themselves, but also to waste our shareholders. It's like this is something that could, you know, really hurt the company if you're now stepping in to take this over.
0: She says uh three point plan, just off the top of my head, you know, just brainstorming this.
1: Yeah, a few thanks, few thanks Yeah,
0: uh, but you just you know, spitball and point go one Go on, lawyer this out. Might be hard for you, but stop sending people your blood. <laughs> if you can. If I you I like can. how I like how she's got him roped in, but she still is sort of a pain in the ass with him. And like, I think that's that's how he thinks it's still genuine, right? Because she goes, might be hard for you. Like that was a poke she didn't have to do. And I think it it just comes off so genuine from her. And she goes, and then, you know, like catch a kill maybe or just really open meeting. I, I don't know. Just don't fire her. Jerry would be good on this. I can give you some informal advice if you'd like. Now, people are theorizing and I think it's a very fair theory that Shiv advocates for Carolina and Jerry in this scene. Carolina and Jerry are the two people not on the kill list.
1: Indeed. And Tom, either by what he said or by connection to Shiv, also not on the kill list. One could say that every one of the people we know survives is directly connected to Shiv and possibly this conversation. She's wielding some influence. Also, you know, just in terms of people to keep, Jerry and Carolina, good call.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Jer- Jerry's number one. Yeah, I think Carolina is probably a strong number two of the of the power players in that in that group I think yeah. I think he yeah, I think they got the right the right two
1: I threw um, I threw Frank in the mix but I don't think he wants to hang around I think he wants to be totally done with yeah. that. He, he says he's also um, can he's too close to Logan traditionally anyway
0: I, I I just don't think that's in the cards but he is he is he is good um he says I would like that I would I like you you're cool you're not judgy you can take a joke I like that like your dad a couple things going on here one Is that he does the thing that all dirtbag guys do when they're trying to gaslight women, where they say, Hey, like, I like, you could take a joke. You're not like other girls. You're not like the rest of them. You, you know, when I grab your ass, you know, it's just funny. Like, right. This bullshit gaslighting. Second thing is he compares her to Logan and that gets a sort of wistful laugh out of her.
1: It does. And that's (laughs) one of the people that people have been focusing on to say that there is a certain element of targeting and planning and manipulation going into this conversation. And of course there is because that is the perfect thing to say to Shiv that hits her and she's going to run with that. And it keeps her in like an 11 in terms of removed for the rest of the episode that I'm winning. And it's because I'm Dad's heir.
0: Yep. <clears throat> Cut to Greg being accompanied by Jess coming up to Kendall. Who's in full secret mode. Now he's got a secret. He got a secret cap on. He's mm-hmm. in a secret part of the woods. He's not near the fire. This is secret Kendall. Mm-hmm. He says, mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. Greg's help. I have a contact. They're going to be calling you on this line. Hands him a cell phone. Oh, so undercover. I mean, it's just, this is such Absolutely. a legit operation. You're just telling the journalist the truth, which is that the two cultures don't mesh and the deal vibes are bad.
1: Is this playing into um, uh Greg being the leaker previously with respect to talking with that yeah. journalist at the funeral? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think I think Kendall knows that Greg was a leaker before, and I think that's why he's given him this job now. And I think Greg's willing to own it. He goes, quad squad, baby, quad squad type shit. You know what I'm saying? Quad mm-hmm. squad. We need some t-shirts. Can you get some t-shirts printed up? Quad squad, please. Can make, I, I can make it happen. Yeah. I after appreciate you, that. After I buy you the
1: Jamie Tart shirt, there's a
0: list here. I do want the Jamie Tart for number one. Let's just make that clear. But if uh, number two could be quad squad, I think that's a okay. great one.
1: I'm going to get three of them.
0: <laughs> and he says, I need you to, he tells Je- Jess, I need you to liaise with their, talking about the studio, They're their AV guys. Set up a, first off he's talking about, uh, he says I need you to liaise with the AV guys. He's talking about the, um, the movie. at the, <laughs> this yeah,
1: screening just
0: there at the conference, the people who are running the, the video at the conference.
1: Yeah.
0: Set up a screening, Calispatron, hibernation, rough cut, 4K fucking giant screen, full three hours.
1: I love that they see this film as just, this'll do it. Don't need to do anything else. This will wreck the deal.
0: And Jess goes for when? And he says tomorrow morning. And it's another moment where anybody who's ever served as an executive assistant oh, God. can go, what? Tomorrow morning? I have to t- I have to call the studio and tell them they have to prepare a rough cut of the film, which they probably don't even have. And I got to show it tomorrow morning, which, they first of all, they don't even have. And they're not going to want to give it to you because it looks really bad.
1: Yeah, it's like this is a boss telling an employee, you don't need to sleep tonight, right?
0: touch the next morning they're all sitting around watching a movie that sure sounds horrible it doesn't sound good reactions don't look that positive either we hear greg outside talking and he's killing this role He says, killing off gojo members one by one like Patron or xanaplax <laughs> so he's watched the movie and he's killing the leak he's doing a good oh, job yeah. good job greg. oh yeah shiv then walks up you seen this nasty little piece about no one getting along out here she's wondering where that came from she asked where it's coming from looking at kendall specifically and kendall just goes
1: shiv like like uh, who could say dare say it's me what what aspersions are you casting in my not my
0: direction i am innocent to all of these crimes i believe him i'm sure they're trying to put the squeeze on you roman comes up to shiv here you're pretty close to lucas last night she says yeah Mm -hmm. you jealous now if you just watch this season you would think he's saying are you are you jealous that i got time with lucas if you've watched all four seasons. Weird brother-sister dynamic these two got going. She might have been making a joke like, are you, are you jealous that Lucas got some alone time with me? Cause that is yeah. the kind of jokes they tell each other. And it's that is strange. what they say. <laughs> <laughs> Work in the case. Looking for angle- angles. Kendall says, well, what'd you get? Eba appears to walk out of the movie. She's done with the movie, by the way. She did. She's, she's seen it. She's seen enough. Mm-hmm. All She says, needs to. I mean, honestly, no. I think he wants ATN for real and he's going to go get. He's going to go high to get it. Jerry, Carl, Frank have appeared. Kendall says, pitch is we retain ATN we will bite at 146 or he takes ATN and he takes a crazy premium. Good. Everybody says, yeah, 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 good. Hands yeah. in. Let's go. Right Let's message. Take it to the ridge. Greg, ever the hype man, rocket fellas, rocket, which draws us <laughs> shut the fuck up. Greg from Roman.
1: <laughs> he's trying. He's trying. Again, he's got his comfort zone. He's got his wheelhouse. Almost everything
0: he does is outside of it, but you know, we've seen what he's good at. Tom comes up, to Shiv, and he says, oh, where are you, where are you at? Ha- what are you hearing? I hear that, uh, a has, uh Jimenez, Jimenez. Thinks, Jimenez thinks he's going, he's going to be tap dancing across Lake, Ma- let me, I'm going to try to translate Tom for everybody. I think what he's saying is the Democratic candidate thinks he's going to win Michigan. Was that what he was saying? I think that's what he was saying. I mean, as you as you as are me. the
1: master of Tommys. I gotta say, and he
0: he's he's saying that they're projecting confidence in Michigan. Of course, he'd be following this very closely as the head of ATN, the election two days away or whatever. Sure. Shiv says, you know, you should be careful, Tom, because people are coming down from Mali and their pupils are dilated, and your shoes are like, look at this sun. No, they're dangerous. And she starts kicking rocks at his shoes. I gotta say, I think it maybe it's because Shiv has pretty much pitched a perfect game up to this point. I thought this was cute. I I thought it was adorable.
1: This is playing to what I was saying earlier. This is Shiv feeling good about herself. And these are the moments when she feels like, you know, she's into Tom. Because this
0: is their unique, weird kind of flirting, it feels like. I I just, I liked it. I mean, she says, this is why people don't take you seriously. Because your shoes are so fucking. Look, nobody. You're not going to meet a guy who likes talking about, joking about. Making fun of people about shoes more than me. So this, this really hit sure. me. Sure. Hit me right it's in the pl- heart that she jumps on his shoes uh, right away. That was cool. Are
1: you, are, are you also into making fun of girls based on their thick, chewy barnacle meat earlobes? No. Okay. Just checking.
0: But he, he smacks her ear when he, at he first. He flicks it. Yeah. 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 Kind of like whacks her. And then she's like, ow. And then she goes over the top with the owl. You can yeah. tell this is a repertoire that they do. A They've lot. done this before. And, and Tom, I think the only surprise for Tom is that she's willing to do it with him.
1: Yeah, he's caught off guard at first, but then he falls into the role and they both know the game
0: they're playing. Because <laughs> She then invites him out to, like, dinner, right? L- at the end of the episode, he says, yeah, uh, how was your little chat with Lucas? And he says, I mean, boring, but he's very conventionally attractive. He's broad. I used to think you were broad, but, uh, you know, compared to him, you're wiry like a fucking splunker. And she walks off. And I think Tom, in his mind, is going, I'm in. I'm the in. The fuck? She's back. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just, Spencer, I think we just bared witness to Shiv flirting. It's a
1: terrifying thing.
0: Now, let uh, since I'm am advocating for Shiv this episode, we ha- I think we need to put forward the theory that maybe what you said might be right. Right, she might be feeling good about herself, and those are the moments that she flocks to Tom. But she also knows she's pregnant, right? So maybe maybe she's could be, be strategic. That, well, she might. Well, not. I mean, she might just be thinking like if there if if there's a time to try to save this relationship to see if there's anything left. I probably need to try it now because it would be a good starting off point for a family. Like this is a go, no go situation.
1: I think she also best likes Tom when she feels like he isn't a threat and that she's in control. And I think her feeling great about herself and her own prospects and, you know, Tom not is being ultimately beholden to her about whether he lives or dies is the mindset she wants to always have in their relationship.
0: I just don't, I don't, Know if I'm ready to go that cynical with Shiv? Like I do think that like she's pregnant, and maybe she. I mean, probably a natural reaction to that is to say, "Well, do like let's let's really talk about this divorce thing to see if we really want to do this now that I'm pregnant." Like that's a That's a pretty natural thing for people to do.
1: It's a natural thing for people to do. No one on this show is natural.
0: Okay, Cut to roman and kindle taking the ski lift up. Fuck the ski lift. That's my official opinion. <laughs>
1: Come on, man, doesn't it look fun? Don't, no. don't you enjoy that soaring through the air effect with nothing below you?
0: Absolutely not. Okay. Roman gets a text, Jesus fucking Christ. Connor, Dad. But it's not dead. He's fucking sent a picture. Jesus Christ. Do Con- you Con- Connor? Connor, sent to- a picture.
1: Connor dressed the corpse and sent
0: it and sent it through the mails. Yeah. Kendall actually tells him no, I don't want to see it. Roman says, Yeah, it's fine, it's fine. It's fine. Fuck. Music plays. As you said, Connor seems like he did well. I think he did. They walk up to Lucas, sending out cool tweets people are fucking tiny right but not us
1: not us they, they're just alone on a mountain right now right yeah pl- sure that's a place to hold it a business don't you think
0: of, of all the things lucas says this episode don't you think he, logan logan would liked this one the best people are fucking tiny right but not us not us
1: I, again there's similarities between mattson and logan i feel like logan's just a little bit more controlled about how he markets his insanity
0: Luke, Lucas goes on to say, so thanks for the link. I saw the movie. So apparently Luke, he wasn't at the screening, but he got a link to the movie. He mm. says, no worries. Early cut. Still some work. We're excited. It's the big one. It needs to be strategically. Everything is fine. Is the headline. Madison, Madison now knows there's a butt coming. And he Do says, these
1: guys think they're being subtle.
0: No. Did they... I. So one of two things is going on here. Either. They are trying to be subtle, and they're just fucking numbskulls, which is absolutely yeah. on the table, hundred percent on the table. Or who knows? Or they've strategically aside, decided. It does it matter if Madsen knows we're trying to kill the deal or not? As a matter of fact, it might be good if he suspects we are, because mm-hmm. then he'll think it's even harder to get the deal through because we're not on board.
1: Again, you you commented earlier in the episode. Whether it's intentional or not, they have stumbled into the utter perfect negotiating pitch for this entire conversation in terms of dealing with Matson. If they, if their goal is to get a higher number, they couldn't be hitting better beats with respect to this.
0: First two hours of the movie is a sleeping robot. Sounds great, but we can fix it. We got control of the cut. But the lowdown is it's a spiral and so So he goes on and on about how this is all a mess. This is where mm. i Matson asks if it's the big one. Kendall says the studio is out of control. We only flag it so you know we're not hiding it anymore. Matson finally stops progress. He says, "Are you guys fucking for real?" And about these press stories, are you Scooby doing me? Is that where you went, Hanna Barbera Business School? You're telling me your parks are haunted and your big movie is shitty. Are you taking the deal? You Sees through them in a heartbeat. And, and my I what? So and that could be just they're that stupid, or it could be that they strategically want. Kind of want, they can't say it, but they want him to know they don't want the deal because that makes it even harder to get over the barrier. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe They said in the prior conversations that they wanted
1: to convince Mattson to be the one to back out of the deal rather than them, which seems to imply they want a certain measure of subtlety in convincing him to be the one to step away for reasons of
0: their offering. But but if so, they're just so inept at in it. Yeah, but like if you're Mattson, wouldn't you be more apt to just cut the plug if you felt like, you know, no, that really doesn't matter what I say. These fucking guys aren't going to go for it.
1: I don't know. I mean, it's Matson is so eager to just spite them to so eager to beat them. Ha- convincing, convincing him of what you actually want. This seems a guaranteed pathway to him avoiding that.
0: So they go on a little bit more about banks and models. And he says, finally, he says, I, Mrs. Madsen, I prefer doing this with your dad. I mean, he was a prick, but at least he knew what he wanted. Roman it gets his hackles sets up. That's Roman off. Okay. Penance corner. Our dad was not a prick. Okay. And he goes, yeah, sure. But he was, And he, by the way, Newsflash, he was, but I don't think I'd tell Roman that right in this moment. No. Kendall says there are some issues. Is the honest truth? Fucking streamer studio news. Matson says he needs to make it happen fast. So Again, this is to my my thought here. Weakness here. I think Matson is getting pressure from his investors to scale quickly, and part of the way he's doing that is through M and A. And he has to get this deal through to please his investors and to meet particular targets. Right? I think this is like something he's got to do, and that's why. When these two numbskulls go up there and start going, hey, fuck you. We're just not going to do it. He kind of panics a little bit. Like the last, he, we're, we'll get there, but the last look on his face did not seem comfortable.
1: He panics and throws money at them. If they actually wanted to make this deal happen, they, this conversation could have said almost any number they wanted and Madsen would have had to meet it. He is showing legitimate vulnerability and weakness in this conversation in a way that they're just, it's not their objective to focus
0: on it. And so they're missing it. So Roman does something that Madsen doesn't expect. I think he, he, him? he turns around, he walks up and he says, you really couldn't push this a week, could you? There was no part of you that could be just be like, hey, let's re- reschedule, move this because their dad just fucking died. You know I mean? My sister, she's fucked up about it. My brother's a mess. I'm a fucking, I'm gone. I'm on the fucking, I'm dead. It's over for me. It's okay. It's fine. But you just drag us out here. You inhuman fucking dog, man. You Matson looks up and says, easy brother. And, and he's Ma- like serious at this point. He doesn't like Ma- this shit.
1: Matt, Matt, Matson was like peeing at the start of this conversation, and in the act of that, he's caught off guard at the hostility he's getting from Roman here.
0: It's easy, brother, and he says, "And you fucking killed him too. You're the one who did it. You just and you 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 drained the life out of him. You fucking dragged this thing out for six months, and you bring us here now. You couldn't wait a few days. You actually couldn't do that for us, huh? Huh? God." And then he walks away, and like it's perfect, and, and it's it's accidentally perfect, but it's perfect to get a bigger number out of him.
1: But well, I like that's even called out at the time before you know, uh, Matson's like hitting him. It's like I've uh, got you. with respect this, and Roman just says, "Hey, maybe it's a business strategy. I don't know. You don't know. Who knows?"
0: Yeah, because because Matson, I think, bluffs. I uh, the, my read on this is when Roman says this, Matson bluffs and leans over and goes, "You really fucked up now," and tries to show confidence. Mm-hmm. And Roman just goes, "Well, maybe it was a negotiating tactic. Fuck you," and walks off. And then you see the look of panic on Matson's yeah, face as he Ma- leaves.
1: Matson don't look happy at the end of this.
0: He finds a way from his emotional, manipulative, tortured asshole perspective to call a win later. But in this moment, he's panicking. Back at the ski lift, Kendall says it wasn't the plan, but maybe it plays. And I think what he's saying about maybe it plays is maybe by tipping her hand and telling him we're not going to do this no matter what you do, it actually pushes him away eventually. I don't know. Roman little call call nice, that one wrong nice little jest maybe the type of joke Logan would tell at the beginning to ease things ease the tension that Frank mm-hmm. and Carl mentioned he says you know if a deal collapses in the woods and no one hears it is it an SEC violation
1: I love that line that was so witty that was so witty right there right then and there and yeah, yeah fun question about breach of fiduciary duty
0: Oh, they've absolutely done that. They've absolutely breached their fiduciary duty to their shareholders. Of course. Absolutely they have. They've, they've just gone in and said, for personal reasons, we're not going to do this we, deal that could make our shareholders a bunch of money because we don't like the, the cut of this guy's jib. What? Yeah. Give you a break. They're, they're, they're dead. Yes. Got to the plane. Ray and Hugo are trying to figure out Rome and Kendall's body language. What's going on? Frank then gets a call from Matt's and Kendall perks up at that. Frank says, well, thank you. And he's going to pass the message along. Revised offer, Spencer. One ninety-two, home oh.
1: fucking run, as Frank says here. They, they are the conquering oh. heroes from everyone's perspective.
0: One ninety-two. That's Up. they wanted. One forty-four.
1: They 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 were at, they were at one forty-four. They were like one forty-five, one forty-six. Will be a victory. He offers them one eighty-seven. They say no. Then they get one
0: ninety-two. Good God. Kendall says 192 to Shiv. Carl, we came, we saw, we pillaged, we raided the Vikings. Carl, you did nothing, but cool.
1: Hey, hey he, looked, he looked great outside of a sauna.
0: Jess, who, by the way, is really fucking good at her job, leans in to try to support her boss and just goes, great job. And not knowing that this is not fucking what he wanted to do.
1: The only person on this plane that knows is Shiv, right? That knows exactly what her two siblings were trying to do and what they imminently failed at.
0: I don't think she knows for sure until Matson calls.
1: She certainly knows after Mattson calls, but she's smiling she sh- and looking at her brothers before them.
0: Oh, for sure. She strongly suspects it. Yeah. Shiv then tells Tom there's a deal. Matson takes ATN the whole caboodle. Oh, come on, Tom. You can be happy. It's the great escape. Tom says, we'll see. So basically the news for Tom is ATN's included in this thing. You're actually going over with them. Mm-hmm. Shiv says they're looking at making some moves at ATN. I'm not happy. Tom says, you really going to do this? Tom thinks she's firing him.
1: Yeah. Cause he, and she, Tom overheard the conversation earlier. Let's just say that now he did between the siblings.
0: Yeah. And she thinks he's, he's like, you're really going to do this. And she goes, yeah, Sid's getting too close to Minkin. Ah, there we go. It's Sid. She's actually going to back Tom. She's really just a big, little big power craze post dad, a little bit power craze post dad. Tom says, Oh, you think? And then that's when Shiv says, do you want to get dinner when we get back?
1: And he also gives Tom the opportunity to let her know. And yeah, Tom's already got that email prepared. You know, great. Great. Oh.
0: Please let me, yeah, I'll do it, sure. In a heartbeat. Well, it was going to happen the day Logan died, right? Logan had said, get get rid of Peach, get Sid, get rid of Sid. So that day, if if Logan had lived for six more hours, it would have happened.
1: Hey, we were debating who was Logan returned. In this moment, Shiv very much feels like she is the Logan of the situation.
0: Shiv gets a call, are you with your brother? Could you send me a photo of their faces? So Shiv sits down and does just that. Then the other group, they all start to talk through the kill list. Jerry seems to have it. But it's highly provisional. Caveat. It, it would just be they, an interpretation. I
1: think they said that Jess got the copy.
0: Ah, okay. But Jerry now has
1: it. She's J- J- Jerry's reading it. Ca- Jess and Carolina optioned it. Jerry's now the one that's presenting it to the room,
0: as has been her role throughout the episode. And we've talked about this through the episode. The only people not on the kill list. I mean, obviously, the kids aren't even considered here. The only people not on the kill list. Carolina, Jerry, big upset. Tom, also not on it. Tom, surpri-
1: Tom not always surprises the room, he pisses people off. Like, Carl, who is perfectly fine to be on the kill list and enjoying his golden parachute, comes back to be angry that Tom is not on, is not on the kill list.
0: Yeah, I know. And, and Hugo says, great fucking trip. So much for being raised by wolves. Well, it's like, Hugo, you did yourself no favor, sir. The three kids cheers, and Shiv says, kind of mockingly to them, we did it.
1: What do you make of Mattson asking for the picture? I mean, this feels like, again, the... the Similar to what Logan was always saying about the objective is just to beat the other party, that the fact that he's making them unhappy is his either consolation prize or outright victory. That from his perspective, he won that they didn't get what they wanted.
0: So I have a lot of thoughts. The first one is I'd like to quote Logan Roy. Congratulations on on saying the biggest fucking number, you moron.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, again, from any outside perspective, Waystar kicked ass in these negotiations.
0: Second is I think he... Is romantically attracted in Shiv, and, and that's going to continue. That will continue. That is, uh, that's flirty uh, right away. He's been flirting with her the whole time. He is into Shiv. And
1: to quote Tom, will Shiv be inclined to gobble the odd side dick while she's also making eyes at Tom again?
0: I mean, this guy sends people his blood. She should tell him to fuck right off now that they got 192. But I don't know. I mean, I guess she could employ a strategy where she takes him as close to it, you know, as, like as she can to continue to to get as much from him as she can, uh, to leverage that information. Or maybe she fucks him. I don't know. Hell, who who knows?
1: I I don't know either, but I think she at least continues some element of flirtation because she's seeing that she can work that, at least from what she's seen so far. Whether this is a trap, whether this is going to be a problem for going forward, that's this is succession. That's always an option. But for right now, she sees that as a path to victory.
0: I think I'm ready for my first theory on Endgame. Oh, God. We got five Please. episodes to go, but I'm ready, I'm ready for my first theory on the end game. Okay. What you got? I think the deal goes through. Okay. And I think that Shiv ultimately rejects the romantic re- uh, advances of Matson. She gets back with Tom, but Matson proves to really like Shiv. And Shiv actually is hired in to either run ATN or run the Waystar components or something within his larger company. And then Kendall and, Roman are just out in the fucking cold. And that's how it ends with, with Shiv still the sort of underdog in all of it, sort of still running some component of it, working with Matson, with Kendall and Roman completely
1: out of the You are te- you are team Shiv this episode. You're, you're basically predicting that she's going to work, 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 out the best. Well, no, Connor obviously is going to win more than anybody, of course.
0: Well, he'll get 2%. We,
1: we all, we, um, Actually, we'll hit it on quotes. We'll get, we'll get there in a second.
0: I don't know. I mean, I think that's my, that's my first one because I think that I could, I mean, at 192, the deal has to go through. And, uh, I think, I think he likes Shiv and I think Shiv would be very interested, at least in the short term, of taking a job with them when Kendall and Roman get kicked to the curve. Okay. Let's get the best line of the episode. Let me pull up. That's one second. Okay.
1: Uh, first one here. Uh, Shiv, we're, we're, we're death wrestling with ogres. Kendall, you're reading documents is what you're doing. You're reading documents is what you're doing, Ken. <laughs> Fun
0: way to yep. start. You're reading documents, Ken.
1: Uh, Jerry's speech, you already, you already recited it, but Jerry's speech is an effective rallying the room, getting them on message, ad- ad- addressing what they need to to undermine the opposition. Jerry would have been great at this job if she'd only got that. Uh, Shiv quoting Mike Tyson, always love it, and it's a great Mike Tyson quote I gotta be, I gotta, I gotta be honest about it too. Uh, one that we didn't reference, but I wanna hit it. Uh, Willa to Connor while he's on the phone, her, her saying, don't let them make fun of you. That was one of the more, like, emotional connection between two characters' lines in the entire episode, and it indicated again, the two of them have a weird relationship, maybe among the most healthy of any ones we see on the show. It's.
0: A, I don't know about healthy. You keep using that word. That scares me. But it's at least healthy more honest. honest. <laughs> at least more
1: honest. honest, honest. Is a key part. Honest is a key part of healthy. Uh Hugo, I metabolize fast because I'm dynamic. Uh, dynamic. Madsen, Unbelievable. No sorries for Lucas. Ugh. Uh Let's see here. Tom's Tom's rejoinder about France and the U.S. not giving a fuck was just great and well done in the moment, and also just. Again, showing that Tom, Tom is more competent than people sometimes realize. Uh, Shiv, the majestic stag sparring with their memory phone hard-ons, a breathtaking spectacle.
0: <laughs> That's such a beautiful line. It's poetry.
1: Uh, uh, Kendall and Roman on the subject of a fucking tightrope walk over a straight razor and Roman pointing out why the, why the hell are you smiling on that subject? Uh, the entire speech from Matson on the subject of mailing somebody his frozen blood. All of it. Laughing my ass off. And Shiv's lines afterwards, a uh, half a liter? Wow, well, I mean, obviously, first of all, good one. And then ending with, oh, well, yeah, uh, deniability is going to be difficult given that she has so much of your blood. It, just utterly hilarious lines back and forth The entire conversation. Uh, Shiv's advice to Matson about, you know, uh, Point one, stop sending your her blood if you can. Um, it's all just great stuff right there. Uh, and then I, I'm going to end this off with, uh, well, two here. Well, I'll end it up with this. Roman's whole breakdown confrontation on Matson, the whole speech that he delivers, the whole just takedown of the rage that he's feeling towards this man for how much he feels personally offended by him and what he's done to his family... It's just well acted television. I mean, yeah, Culkin, the actor who plays Roman has just been great from day one. And the more lines they give him, the more, the better, even better he does with it.
0: Kieran Colkin. See, we said the name. Um,
1: the only actor will do a whole episode.
0: Here's the thing. Doesn't he at one point say to him, you know, I fucking hate you. He just says it that yes. plainly. Straight out. Yeah. I was, I'm so glad they gave him that line. cause I feel like when you're feeling that type of rage, that's the type of thing that comes out. You will say things that that are that basic because you're, you're you're going to that like you're getting away from that prefrontal cortex. You're going <laughs> back no to the reptile brain, here. and you're just going. I fucking don't like you. Like you're making me yeah. angry. Like shit like that comes out of your mouth. We we can't um, all
1: be we can't all be Churchill witty in every every line. Sometimes you just express rage, and that's what he's doing here.
0: Best line of the episode, season four, episode five is Shiv. Whoa. Okay. Half a liter? Well, I mean, obviously, first of all, good one. Now, here's why I chose that. Just great. (laughs) I chose that because I was, I was more entertained when she said that line than I was the rest of the episode. It just made me like you. I howled laughing, but I also want to get back to this. We take this show very seriously because it's a well-written, well-written show. The characters are actualized, but I got you into this show saying, Hey man, this is a funny show.
1: It, this is one of the moments of where we watch episode one, and I'm like, you see this is a fucking comedy? Yeah. It's lines like this that firmly remind me that this is one of the funniest shows on television.
0: And that's what I keep telling people. It's like, we take it seriously. We cared that Logan died, and that was a tearjerker. Boy, that got me we we care what happens with the finale or whatever, but ultimately we're supposed to laugh along the way at these insane people that aren't realistic. And to the extent that they're realistic, we're supposed to fucking hate them. They, mm-hmm. even the exu- the producers of the shows tell you nobody in this is good. Nobody's redeemable. There are no heroes. We're just supposed to laugh sometimes. And that, that whole conversation where Shiv was in such a position of power and she's so quick-witted and that, uh, Sarah Snook delivers those lines so perfectly. I was just la- I was like you. I was laughing the whole time. And it get back, it gets back to me of what the show really is, which is a very interesting, super well-written social commentary that ultimately is funny. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well said. Alright, homie. Roy's of the episode. Shiv. Shiv. Shiv, went- Shiv. Shiv gets Roy of the episode. There's no question. One no, what, what what of the hardest split, wins of the whole season. Yeah, we talked for two hours about how great Shiv did this episode. Let's talk about who Lost, which Roy lost.
1: <sighs> I mean, it seems like the options there have to be. It's not Connor. Connor, Con- Connor's Connor's off the screen, and it seems like he's doing pretty well the circumstance, even though his siblings are being horrible to him. It's not Greg, as weird and awkward as he is, because he does some good, good some good things around the margins. Willa's, no supporting Connor, so no issue there. I mean, we're focusing in on either Kendall or I think Roman here in terms of yeah. which Roy's suffer the worst and. Ah, that's a close one. I mean, I feel like Roman is losing more because he feels like he's letting down his dad's legacy in just terms of what's accomplished here. But Kendall's the one that committed to this more than anything else. And it was, you know, wanting to be CEO, wanting to be willing to wreck it all, the straight razor, whatever else. And the fact that he succeeded in a way he didn't want to, I think even makes it worse. So it's a close call. I think you can argue for either, but I think I'm leaning a little bit towards more towards Kendall because he feels like he went more in on this.
0: So I'm going to say Roman – so it does go down to those two. I think I'm going to go Roman because Roman loses ATN and that's the one piece yeah. he didn't want to lose. And because even though he has this kind of great rejoinder and he has this great moment where he's storming off with Madsen, saying the quiet part out loud is kind of a problem because it is illegal
1: what hey, he's hey, doing.
0: He's, he's He is not acting in the best interest of the shareholders in a very explicit way and he's saying it out loud like – the SEC absolutely would have a big problem with what he said. And he actually said it out loud to a guy who wouldn't mind telling it. Uh, so that might come that back. He, he uh, I think he'll be OK. But I think he exposed himself to some unnecessary risk by an emotional outburst. And so between that and losing ATN, I give it to Roman.
1: I think that's a perfectly fair point. You even commented throughout the episode that Roman was pointedly looking at Kendall whenever Kendall was flirting with saying the quiet thing. And yet here's Roman at the end of the episode screaming it from the mountaintop.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what Matson that wanted to put that fear in his head by saying, hey, man, you you fucked up. You said the quiet part out loud. Roman has this kind of good retort. But I I could see if the deal somehow falls through, I could see Matson making a point of this for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Spencer, I'm going to kick back. My job is done. I'm going to enjoy uh, the evening. I'd like to hear some Spitzer's relationship advice of the episode.
1: I just want—I I want to actually treat this one as a discussion, just based on what was the funniest scene, maybe of the entire show for us, or at least close to it. Is there ever a world where you can imagine that you would send another person, send specifically an X, frozen blocks of your blood? Is there any realm? What you know? What series of events would even trigger that thought in your mind? Because obviously, the relationship advice of the episode is. Don't be Madsen. Dear Christ, don't be Madsen. I mean, he's meant to be a bit of a parody, I feel like, of Elon Musk and his yes. level of tech everything else. There's a lot of advice about don't be Elon Musk. Norwegian, but, the whole thing, yeah. But this is just taking it to an utter is, is Elon Musk is he Norwegian or is he South African? He's South African,
0: but he's lived in that area, yeah. Right. yeah. Um uh, so I would say uh yeah, there is. Uh if free if they came up with technology that showed that freezing blood doesn't ruin it. And if my ex had the same blood type as I did and she needed it to stay alive. <laughs> For the sake of blood transfusions, this is the scenario by which you would do That's this. the only way I could see myself doing. it. If it could Th- save a life, yes, I'd do it. Other than that, this is the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard.
1: I just, I feel like I just need the feel the need to emphasize it because there are so many people that just utterly celebrate this kind of just you know tech bro douche mindset in just terms of what they represent. It would be like viewing it as just being the, the new representation of what a proper alpha male should be. And I just, I, I celebrate this episode for just taking it to parody levels of just to the degree to which this is not a tolerable person in society. This isn't a person that should be admired. This is a scarcely functional human being that we're seeing on the screen here in terms of interacting with other people. And it should be parodied. It should be mocked just in terms of what he feels empowered to engage with with respect to the world.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like related to like the worst TikToks of all time, which is like the bros sitting there and be like, if you save a dollar a day and put it into this blah, blah, blah account, you could be an ultra and You know, it's like some fucking douchey advice like that, that like ultimately this like super hollow and usually the math doesn't work. Yeah, it's, it's related to that for sure. There are they're certainly poking holes in that. Uh, I, I like that they're taking a shot at Elon Musk a little bit. You know, they've been, they've been putting it on. Um, they, they the can Murdoch's- only get the
1: mark. They can only hit the Murdoch family so much. They putting for it on the Murdochs,
0: <laughs> they they obviously were had a lot of commentary about Fox News in there. Um, and I like that they I like that they were punching a little on Elon. Yeah, I thought this episode was great. But ultimately, like, it's a comedy. Like, let's not take it so seriously. I no, was super it's good, super fun. entertained. I was super entertained. It was yeah, it was good fun. That's that's maybe a good way to, to end the episode. Is it was good fun. It was a lot of fun
1: damn straight man i mean this is a show of where i keep coming back week to week with just utter confidence that whatever they're going to do wherever the characters are going to be it's going to be among the best written shows on television because
0: they had just keep
1: doing it week after week
0: well while we get five more episodes of it then i believe it is over my friend all right we will be back with you next week to review episode six of the final season of succession thanks everybody for listening if you're enjoying this podcast please rate review subscribe you can always let us know what you think. You can go to facebook.com slash Mangum Talks. You can either post, send us a message, whatever tickles you fancy. To Let us know what you think of the podcast, what you think of the shows that we're watching. You can also go to twitter.com uh, and check us out at Mangum Talks or go to mangumtalks.com. Upper right-hand corner, click contact us, fill out the form, let us know. I read all that stuff. I read every bit of it, filter it, and let Spencer know about some of it. That is kind of how it goes.
1: He reads me the best and he reads me the worst. But either way, I'm getting at least a version of it.
0: Pretty much. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Hope you have a great week. Bye.